Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville, Eds. We are live. Welcome to the new year. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Thanks for taking the time to join us on this Thursday evening. It is the 4th of January. It's been a busy holidays, if you have not paid attention. Forgive me, going to be sipping on uh, some warm drinks as it was a very exhausting uh, holiday season for all of us at D3 Hoops. Great D3Hoops.com classic out in Las Vegas. Uh, great <clears throat> 16 teams at all. Listen, uh, I, there wasn't any horrible games out there. Uh, you know, you always fear that. Uh, yes, there were some dominating wins. There were some very impressive outcomes, but it was a good time by all, and we certainly enjoyed everybody who came out. We appreciate all 16 programs who came out, 13 uh, schools that showed. Um, yeah, we'll talk more about that a little bit later in the show. going to try and squeeze in some interviews that we did out there. Certainly some statements were made as we have a new top 25, much of it impacted by um, the results out there. In case in point, Case Western leap or two in the top 25 on the men's side uh, undefeated sitting uh, 22 points behind Hamden Sydney uh, Hamden Sydney had a great start to the holidays beating John Carroll coming from eight points down uh, mid to late in the first half to dominating win there uh, they picked up 13 first place votes uh, of course John Carroll was the number one team at the time John Carroll slid all the way to seventh Per that, Case Western Reserve undefeated jumped up to two, picking up eight first place votes. Guilford is number three with a first place vote. Calvin, who got thumped during the holidays, fell to fourth with their first loss, no first place votes. Tufts picked up a first place vote, is in fifth. NYU is now in sixth, moving up from fifth. Tuff basically stayed at fifth. John Carroll, as we mentioned, fell to seventh. Trinity, Connecticut, who's undefeated, moved up two spots. Trinity, Texas moved up from 22 to nine with a first place vote after they did in Las Vegas, winning in uh, by 20-plus in each of their games, including handing Oswego State their first loss. As the Lakers fell from 4th to 10th and lost their first-place vote. That first-place vote was me. Uh, then Whitewater is in 11th, getting their first, getting a first-place vote themselves at 10-1. Trine is now 12th at 10-1. Um, I came down for me between Hamden City and Case Western Reserve. I decided to go with the Spartans because they're undefeated. Uh, Hamden Sydney has lost to number three Guilford. It is not a bad loss by any stretch of the imagination, but what uh, Todd McGinnis's squad did uh, out in Vegas really impressed me. So that's where I went with my first place vote. On the women's side, not a lot changed other than Christopher Newport lost uh, surprisingly to SUNY Newport, so they fell to sixth. Um, and a first place vote went to Rhode Island College, who moved up to third. Uh, Emory jumped from twelfth to seventh. Uh, Hope moved from 16th to 9th, Amherst from 15th to 10, Milliken from 13th to 11, though Milliken just lost on Wednesday. Illinois Wesleyan moved from 20th to 13th, and Hopkins moved from 23rd to 14th, thanks to a win over UChicago. UChicago fell out of the poll. Uh, they were 11th, and they fell all the way out, along with number 10, Trinity, Texas, who lost three out of four, that we saw them in Vegas. Number 17, Trine, fell out. They were the second longest run in the top 25. That is done, and Elizabethtown fell out as well. Into the poll on the men's side for the first time this season, for, or uh, since the last poll, I should say, Virginia Wesleyan, Redlands, 18 and 20th, or I'm sorry, 21st, respectively. Randolph-Macon back in the poll. Dubuque is in the poll, and Shenandoah is in the poll. 
We don't have them on the poll in the back there. I just forgot to put them there as number 25. That is my mistake. <clears throat> on the women's side, new teams are for the poll are Bowden at 19th, Mary Harden Baylor 23rd, Washington and Lee is having a tremendous season at 24th, and Stevens Point returns to the poll. They're 25th and undefeated. So there's that. We'll talk more about the classic here coming up. We've got a lot to squeeze in. Other news that has broken in the last um, 24, 48 hours. Um, the United East Conference is going to get bigger. Um, Penn State Brandywine, which I had forgotten was in the uh, exploratory phase when I tweeted out this news last night, uh, is going to be joining the UEC, assuming they get through the exploratory phase with no problems. Uh, we'll know that officially this spring. Membership committee meets uh, in at the convention, at the very least. Uh, of course, deadlines to get into Division Three or to apply are January 15th. Regent University, for example, has done that. <clears throat> Excuse me. My point being, um, soon, uh, Penn State Brandywine will join the United East. They'll be the 18th member institution. They will be the, if I remember my tweet correctly, 8th state institution um, in Division Three from Pennsylvania and the 5th, I believe, Penn State. So, hold on. 8th? State institution in Pennsylvania, fifth Penn State institution or affiliated with Penn State uh, in Division Three. This they'll be the fourth, I think, in the UEC. I may have that wrong. So anyway, that news has come out. Also today, the announcement was made that um, there is a new um, media rights package with ESPN and the NCA, and it does impact Division Three. <clears throat> this is primarily, I believe, for women's basketball and a bit for softball. Um, this was the package we've all been talking about. We knew that women's basketball was up for the, up for the um, bidding. In the past, as it had always been uh, described to me, women's D1 basketball on ESPN was kind of a trade out with the NCAA. They were kind of in a quid pro quo with ESPN. That's why you saw a lot of NCAA ads that ran during those, those tournaments. Now they went and bid it out. That's where we have always expected there to be more money into division three's budgets in the future. That is officially out. It starts next academic year. So 24, 25, it includes for Division Three, not only will football remain at ESPN, so you'll see the semifinals and championship on the ESPN um, group of websites. In the past, ESPN Plus for or three is another term for it. For um, those of you who watch the semis, those re-air on ESPNU, I think, maybe ESPN News and elsewhere leading up to the Stag Bowl. Stag Bowl will remain, I've been told by those at the uh, home office in Indy, Stag Bowl will remain on the linear channels in, in TV speak, ESPNU, ESPN News, ESPN2, ESPN. Those are the linear channels versus digital channels. Um, of course, it'll be on digital as well, but it will remain on ESPNU, one would assume, on a Friday evening. But again, things are changing, not at this convention, but in a year. So it's we're going down the rabbit hole. But next year, it'll remain on ESPN brands. <clears throat> and and by the way, I'm I'm working a little bit on the assumption the semifinals are staying there. I have reached out back to the home office after getting confirmation from them that that is the case that they're staying on the semifinals with ESPN. It wasn't specifically written in the press release, but that's what that's what I've been to, under the impression. Women's volleyball, men's and women's basketball now move to ESPN. You might remember volleyball has had no presence. Um, it's been web streamed like it always has to NCA.com, which is a Turner agreement. 
if you understand the Turner Agreement, the CBS Turner Agreement for men's basketball includes that they stream all championship weekends of NCAA championship sports in all divisions unless someone else comes in and bids those away. So we've been on Turner for all of those. Now, with women's volleyball, it's always been um, uh, on Turner. With women's and men's basketball, it's been a combination of Turner and CBS. Now, remember, we were primarily all streaming when streaming when this package came into place until 2013 for both championships. In 2013, when men first went to Atlanta for the joint championships, CBS obviously picked up the Division Three game because they were already going to be doing the Division Two game that followed immediately after. As a result, they then, oh, well, you know, we used to do this game more often. We're going to continue to do it. So they continued to pick up the championship game, but put it on CBS Sports Network, which admittedly isn't the easiest to find. They also never re-aired the, sh- the, the game. They never put it on their digital place, whether it be Paramount or CBS Sports streaming apps. You could not watch it after unless those at D3 raised enough of a stink that it was made available for a month on NCA.com. It got a little complicated, and I always lost track every year whether that had happened. Women's side, none of that existed until a couple of years ago when Division Three paid CBS to, to show the championship game. That continued last year. That will continue this year is the information I'm understanding. That all changes. Now the Division Three men's and women's basketball, along with Division Three women's volleyball, is moving to ESPN's platforms. I am told all of them will reside on ESPN plus the digital networks, you always have the opportunity that they could slide onto the linear platforms, whether it be live or in a a tape delay for some reason. Some people are pointing out, well, that's a pay-per-view. It's behind a paywall. Yes, it is. My, I don't have as big a problem with that for a variety of reasons than I do with issues like flow sports, taking over conference deals. First off, The cost to have ESPN Plus as a digital network for all of you is pennies on the dollar when it compared to Flow. Second of all, most people have access to a lot of what ESPN's apps and streaming provide through their cable subscriptions, and they're already paying for their cable subscriptions. For those who don't have cable, they've most likely bought ESPN to get what they want, or they've got it through YouTube TV or what other streaming uh, entities out there. We should point out, if you pay for the Disney Plus package, you get Disney, you get Hulu, and you get ESPN Plus. So I'm paying, what, $15 a month for those three, Disney, Hulu, and ESPN Plus, and I'm getting a ton for that $15 in comparison to what you have to pay for Flow and what Flow has done at least at the Division II level when it comes to a couple of their championships. I'll also point out that this deal thus brings money into the NCAA, just like the CBS Turner deal does on the men's basketball side. And so Division Three will see an increase to its operating budget. We don't know the exact numbers. I did ask about that. They aren't known at this time. But starting next operating budget, 2425. It is expected that Division Three is going to get a bump, not in terms of percentage. We'll be stuck at the 3.14 whatever percent that is, almost like pie. Literally, Division Three gets a piece of the pie. But more importantly, they will um, that number will go bigger because the one point whatever billion dollars that is the operating budget for the entire NCAA right now 
90% of which coming in via the CBS Turner broadcast, has just gotten a significant bump with this ESPN and CAA partnership media rights deal. So we will see how this all plays out. But at this time, both semifinals and championships or all the semifinals and championships for men's and women's basketball, women's volleyball, and and football will all be broadcast now on ESPN starting next academic year. So we have one more year of CBS Sports for the championship games for both men's and women's basketball, one more year of semifinals being on NCAA.com, and then it will go from there. So, and, and who knows? Maybe some of these things change. Maybe those ESPN Plus broadcasts are still on NCAA.com. These are little things that could end up happening and we just aren't aware. So, a lot of movement there. That took up a good chunk of my day that I was not planning. Um, but hats off to them. We did reach out to Luis McCleary, uh, Vice President of Division Three, and others at the home office to see if they could come on the show. They are very busy with the convention, they tell us, uh, that is upcoming here in about two weeks' time. So they did not have the ability to come on the show tonight. However, we always have a State of D3 conversation with the VP of Div- Division Three. That'll be Luis, obviously, uh, on our Hoopsville shows later in the season, usually our marathon show, which we'll talk about later in the program. Um, so we will look forward to having Luis on the show at some point in time in late January after the convention is over to talk about not only the convention, but we'll talk about this media rights deal and how it impacts division three. So there you go. Um, trying to think if there's something else I am forgetting. Uh, there is other stuff with the convention coming. There's other things that are going on. Um, <laughs> I see my Slack is, is, is blowing up there is movement in uh at least one corner of the country with a major school that will be moving to a new conference uh i am folks i couldn't be more ready to tell you what that news is except that i haven't dotted a couple i's across a couple of t's in my due diligence the fact that other people are starting to figure out means it's the cat's coming out of the bag I may be partially responsible for that because I have been making some phone calls and it's interesting how many people are not aware of what I am very aware of. However, I'm going to hold off worst case our best case scenario. We'll break it later in the show. Worst case scenario. We will break it sometime in the near future, but we are hearing a major move coming and that's not going to be the only one. There are more moves coming in division three changes in conferences, conferences changing, et cetera. This is going to be a very busy time as we deal with, um, uh, schools maybe closing, being bought out, whatever. Schools changing divisions, uh, coming into Division Three, et cetera. There's going to be a lot of moving parts. And this is a popular time for those decisions to be made because with the convention coming up, there are meetings to take place, et cetera, et cetera. This time of year and early summer are usually the two hot times for school decisions to take place because this, again, the convention coming up, but then the other time is after uh, conference meetings in the May time period, schools have to make a decision before July 1 to warn their conferences to get the right amount of timing so that they can leave in the right amount of timing without having to stay an extra year. So there's two kind of hot times. Uh, You remember the landmark forming football. This was the timing of that. So this right now is a hot time. Another hot time is kind of the May-ish, June area. We'll keep an eye on what's going on. There is news coming. We will break it when we feel comfortable doing so. I I am not going to break it now, and I'm not going to go too far because I just want to make sure some of my I's and T's are taken care of. I'm very confident. I, I, I'm, I could tell you right now and not be afraid that I'm wrong. I just want to make sure I got a couple of things buttoned up first. With that, we're going to take a break. Let me tell you first who's on the show. Then we're going to talk about the D3Hoops.com Classic. Coming up, we're going to talk to number 7, Emory Women's Basketball, and number 14, Johns Hopkins Women's Basketball. They're two coaches, Misa Jackson and Rodney um, 
Oh, I always forget Rodney's last name. <laughs> I apologize. I do this every time. I've done it all day. Rodney Rogan, of course, uh, who, who's in his first year at Hopkins, they'll be joining us on the program. Then coming up after that, we will talk to Shenandoah men's basketball, Nick Doyle, and George Fox men's basketball, uh, Mako Hamilton. That's all ahead on the show. But when we come back, we will talk about the D3Hoops.com Classic and hear some of the sound bites from out in Vegas. You listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at NABC1927. That's nabc.com or NABC1927 on social media. I used to never really talk. Ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault in any way. Apparently, we're on the air. The uh, our, our video popped over the ad there somehow. I'm not sure what happened, but welcome back, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, D3Hoops.com Classic was absolutely outstanding. We had some terrific teams and terrific games, to say the least. Uh, on the men's side, we had nine teams. On the women's side, we had seven. We had four top 25 programs on the men's side, including a top 10 battle between Oswego and Case Western Reserve. Trinity and Pomona Pitzer rounded out that, and we had games against Trinity and Pomona Pitzer that didn't go with like we thought. Um and really, to be honest, uh, Clark nearly knocked off Trinity on top of that. Uh, Oswego took their first loss to Case Western, but then came back and beat Pomona Pitzer, who went 0-2, interesting enough. Going to play a few sound bites from around the event. Uh, we're going to start off with Clark Men's Basketball, who I thought had a really good event out there on uh, in Vegas. Um, 
they they came out and did exactly what they wanted to do, and they talked to Pat Coleman about it out there. Coach, first off, I know, you know when we're putting this event together, we got a bunch of options for how to schedule teams, and the word we were getting is that you guys really wanted to play this schedule, right? So what do you take away from it here now after these first after these couple games? Yeah, first off, we just appreciate being here. You know, it's a great event, 13 years, and a great history of a lot of really good programs. Uh, obviously, coaches and players that have been here, right? Yeah. So that was the main draw of us coming out here is to play against the best, you know. Um, Clark is a program. We've been to 16 NCAA tournaments, right. six Elite Eights, and two Final Fours. Yep. So our program has had a lot, a lot of success over our history. And as we're building it and trying to get to the sustained success that we want to have, uh, we want to play the best in the country, right? So obviously the experience of how this tournament is run, um, where it is in Vegas, given our guys that experience of traveling out west, um, are all auxiliary benefits to it, right? But from the basketball standpoint, we want to play the best in the country. And it helps for us for multiple reasons. Um, including obviously getting ready for our new max schedule which is a gauntlet in itself all right we travel to babson on wednesday uh we've already played two really tough new mac games so again many benefits are for us coming out here yeah last year you guys started off similarly hot right and then you know things kind of didn't really continue down the stretch right you guys kind of stumbled to the finish through conference play what what'd you guys take away from that what do you what did you learn from that coming into this year all right. Well, uh, respectfully, we ran into a number of injuries, All right. I mean, and at eight and one, at eight and one, we we're up 18 on a really good tournament team when our leading scorer got injured. Right. So we went through the next six weeks trying to figure it out, and we had some battles where we lost a couple close games. Yeah. Right. But I thought that helped us build some depth. It helped us learn some things about ourselves, and then we finished really strong uh, as well. So the record might not be indicative, right? But I think watching the film, right, when we were healthy on the front end and the tail end of the season, right, you kind of see uh, continue this year, right, what we can do. Um, you know, playing a tough team to a one possession game, right? right we had the ball up one yep. with about a minute and a half left, and then obviously yesterday and today playing two really good teams in competitive battles. So again, I love our group. We're competitors, um, so we want to play the best. I, was, I think we were really impressed with a bunch of your guys. Um, tell us a little bit about, like, my gosh, uh, so many. Let's just start with Isaiah Taylor for a second. He's the guy who was chosen for the all-tournament team, but one of a number of guys who had great weeks for, weeks for here. Yeah, that's that's what, what our program is about, is um, is versatility right, and competitiveness. right? Those are two characteristics when we recruit, right? and those are two characteristics that if you watch us play, I think you'd, uh, you'd be able to see that. We had six yeah. double-digit scores today. Yeah. Um, obviously, Isaiah, well-deserved for the all-tournament team. Um, I'm biased, right, but I think he's one of the best guards in the country, right, and that's the other reason of coming out here is to see uh, how he fares up against other really good guards in the country, um, you know, but also our other two leading scorers, Bruce Santillas, uh, Keikoa McCardle, yeah. right, are also terrific, um, you know, and then our depth with uh, Mikey O'Brien, right, Reed Newman, Jordan Richard, yep. uh, Quentin, Chris, all the way down, right, everybody in rotation, I'm going to leave obviously some guys out, Right? We don't have that much time to go through the roster, right? But again, that versatility is important to us, right? We can play different ways, different styles, obviously fast and aggressive, right? We can play with different lineups, and I think that's what makes us dangerous. Um, you know, again, we came up short the last two days, uh, but I thought the versatility was shown, and I thought our competitiveness was shown as well. Give me a thumbnail sketch as one of the people who has a top 25 ballot and has to figure some things out over the course of the next few days. Give me your comparison of Case Western Reserve versus Tufts. Right, if I could give a quick pitch for Clark here first, yeah. right? I mean, uh, that's data, that's totally fair. Right, the data and the analytics would kind of tell you, and hopefully the eye test did as well, right, that, um, you know, we came into the game with the eighth-ranked offense efficiency, and we're not as good defensively, but, um, you know, those those 
unbiased data points would put us up there, right, with these teams and with some of the best in the country. So um, whether the poll results follow that or not, right, I like our group a lot. Um, Case, Trinity, Oswego, right, Pomona, Pitzer, who I didn't get to see, right, but the other three I did, all right, are all great teams. And that's what's so fun about this event is you get to compete against the best, right, and then you also get to witness the best and some really good coaches. Uh, shout out to Huston representing New England, right, right with their great record and always a really good team in their conference as well. So, yep. um, again, right, I don't have the ballot, so I'm not getting into that one, right. I just know that, hey, what the numbers see, a little bit of an analytics guy, so we follow that, right, and then obviously, again, just seeing really good coaches in action, good players in action. It's such a great week for us. Great chat there with Clark's head coach. Um, you know, the injuries are certainly a big part of it last year. I think it's going to be something that we're going to be keeping an eye on this time around. Again, they went 0-2 out there, but that was kind of the purpose. They lost by one to Trinity and had a second, uh, had a shot to win it late. Uh, and then they lost by 11 to a really good case Western Reserve. If we were to do, you know, play it all out type thing, and admittedly, I should have put them in my top 25 this week. Uh, I didn't, not because I forgot, because it was just so difficult to get them in. But if they lost by one to Trinity, then by def and they lost by eleven to Case Western, does that mean they're better than Oswego? I hate making that game. I'm just saying that that is something that's certainly worth considering. Clark, I think, is going to win the Newmac. I'm going to say it now. I, I think I, I know there's a lot on WPI, but I think Clark's good enough to beat uh, WPI and win that conference this year. They mentioned Hassan. Hassan had a tremendous uh, outing out there. A little bit of a scare in the second game, but it came out of that 2-0. Pat Coleman sat down with their head coach, Warren Caruso, as well. Your team kind of comes from all over the place, right? Obviously, you got you know a bunch of Maine guys and a bunch of New Hampshire guys, or a couple of New Hampshire guys, then Florida and California and all sorts of things. How did you get those guys to come to Hassan? Well, yeah, I think we've got a really good product, and we've uh, expanded our recruiting a little bit. We, we look at recruiting in New England to be a bit of a challenge. There's 100 schools, and we're the, yeah. the second northern school in, in New England, so uh, we've expanded our geographics, and we always have, but Florida and D.C. are two really good places for us because there's direct flights into Bangor, and so you know we've worked those areas pretty good and found a couple of decent players. It's been a great season for you guys so far. Now 10-1 uh, and one after the game today. Um, what you know? What do you take away from these uh, these first set of games, and then you know, kind of getting back here and knocking the rust off of the first game here at the tournament? Yeah, I was actually pleased, particularly in the second half. I mean, first half went kind of what you might expect—a little rust—and yeah. then we played to their 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 style more to ours. Then we got got into how we play in the second half, which was great. So um, you know, just trying to get back at it and, and get back into the flow of things. Uh, we've had a really good first semester, obviously, uh, being ten and one and and uh, play some good basketball. And, you know, as you saw today, we, we play really as a, really well as a group. Mm -hmm. Strong defensively, uh, been strong defensively all year. Aside from maybe that first half, we weren't very good, but uh, matchups weren't perfect. With they didn't they didn't start a big, and we've got a big, and you right. know, so we had to we had to go a little bit of zone, which which I, we haven't played much, but our guys did a pretty good job with it. Well, I think that was the question, right? So like, balls are started and played a couple of minutes, and then. You know, we were kind of wondering because it wasn't, it shouldn't be like the pace of the game is an issue because you guys score 84 a game yourself. Clearly you're moving the ball up and down the floor, but it was more about him not having someone to defend, I guess? Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, we've had some games like that and um, we were, I thought, effective in the zone. We probably could have come back to it, but then we found a really good rhythm in our, in our half-court man. And, you know, once you find that rhythm, it's tough to go, you know, change it and give them an opportunity. So it was just really one of those calls during the game where, where we um, – Played matchups and, and our guys did a good job on the defensive end in the second half. Right, and uh, yeah, you've been here before. You've seen your team shoot here. You've seen other teams shoot here. You know that you know 
this end of the gym looks a little different than that end of the gym. Your guys shot really well from three-point range on both sides, though. Yeah, I give our guys credit. We didn't force the three. Um, right. You know, we only took 12. We took we took open ones. The right guys took them, and so that really helped. You know, we came in with the idea that they pressure and ex ex you know extend out. That we thought we had room to get into the paint area, and, and our guys did a good job of that. Didn't finish as well as we liked in the first half, but but we did in the second. Right, tied 45-45 at the end of the first half, and then of course you guys outscoring by 21 in the second half. Um, leading by as many as 23. Uh, we were really impressed by, you know, just basic, almost basically everybody in the in the backcourt. Uh, Maranta, great game. Uh, Macaulay, Macaulay, freshman out of Washington, D.C. Tell us a little bit about that guy. Yeah, out of Wise High School. Uh, Lou Wilson, the coach there, we've known for 30 years, and uh, we kind of got on, on Andre uh, late last year and kind of fell in place, and we knew we had a, a good freshman. We didn't know he was going to play at this level. I mean, he's a, an elite defender. And offensively, he does some really good things, too. So you know, we think we've got a really special freshman with, with Andre, and, and he keeps proving it every night he steps on the floor. I know you've got another game here at this tournament, but I want to talk about the knack and new face of the knack a little bit. There's a lead that keeps changing. Uh, you guys are in a divisional setup with some new faces. What's that like so far? Yeah, yeah, Eastern Nazarene, Leslie came in. I think uh, on the other side, Mooresville's in. Um, we lost, lost a couple teams, and there's always a little flow there, but I don't think that that's any different than other Division Three conferences. So, Especially not lately. Yeah, the East-West uh, demographic with the New York teams make it a unique conference, but uh, you know, we, I've always been, look, tell us who we're going to play. We'll play them anywhere, any place, and uh, you know, we just, just want the opportunity to play, and, and that's you know, kind of what we tell our guys. Don't get caught up with where we're going. We travel. We like to travel, and you know the opportunity to play is special. And, and let's make sure we take advantage of it. Your team kind of comes from all over the place, right? Obviously, you got you know a bunch of Maine guys and a bunch of New Hampshire. Sorry about that. Repeated that one. Caught me off guard. I forgot that video was on loop by accident. So great job by Husson out there. Goes two and zero. I think they're a darn good team. They probably nobody wants to go up to Bangor now and play, especially in conference. But I think that is one of those teams we talked a lot about. Others that you do not maybe want to see in March. Uh, Husson likely will have to be on the road. They're good and road tested. Uh, those conversations are just a portion of the full conversations we had out in Vegas. You're going to want to go to that one and listen about how Pomona Pitcher's head coach, Charles Katsiafikas' son, plays for Warren Caruso at Husson. It's a great conversation. We talked to both coaches about that. Switching to the women's side, Gordon Mann had a great conversation with Cameron Hill, whose team went one and one out there. Great perspective from him and a great little adage about why they do the right thing when they are conducting themselves, as it were, on the court. Coach, we said at the end of today's broadcast that that was a mentally tough win against Framingham State. They pushed you, but you guys came out with the victory in the end. Yeah, you know, we're very fortunate to have been in their situation several times where you're carrying a long winning streak and as much fun as that is and as much as everybody wants that and they want to accomplish those incredible moments during seasons, that streak gets heavy, you know, and it's like sooner or later, if you're really lucky, you can keep it going the whole way, but it's rare. And so we kind of came in with the attitude like if we just keep applying pressure and play our brand, you know, we can keep the pressure on them and maybe make a few plays and it ended up working out well for us today and we finally got the ball to go in the basket. Now, you guys have played a tough stretch here. I watched the Trinity-Texas Lutheran game where you guys were down a ton and then yeah. came back. Close loss to Loyalamet, close loss to Puget Sound, close win today. What's the difference for your team between a close win and a close loss in those situations? Well, just to be clear, all respect to Willamette, that was not a close loss. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
you know, the others were good games. Uh, it's just for our level, the value that we put on academics is real. And so when finals come around, it's really hard to have meaningful practices if you're, if you're giving the girls what they need to study for their tests. Right. So we haven't had a full contact practice since before finals. And, you know, along the way, we've lost some players and had some new players and had some injuries. And, you know, it's just it's normal life. And you got to keep it all in perspective. So without practicing, with trying to, trying to intelligently manage all of the little things that have been happening in our home, like we've been able to battle. And I've been proud of them the whole way. Yesterday was hard. You know, but I think they came back today with a clear mind and they were able to play our brand of basketball. And I mean, to come out of here with a win and to head home back to conference, I'm really proud of it. I'm, I'm excited to see where we go from here. This is not a team that's used to having losing streaks of any kind. What specifically did you did they have to do to put it out of their mind on a on a turnaround of less basically 24 hours? I think most of them threw up, honestly. Um, that's one way to they're, they're not comfortable with it either. Yeah. And I mean, if you have to choose between being comfortable losing and being uncomfortable losing, I'm taking the second one every single time. So, you know, going through human things is important for people. And that's what we've been going through. And I feel great about what we can do from here. And we're going to work hard to get healthy. And, you know, if we can peak at the right time, I think we're a real problem. So you mentioned the fact that you're going through some things. You lose Natalie to injury. I know it'll be a little bit before she comes back. You add another Natalie uh, through the transfer report poll. How do, you, how do you guys piece things together without having practices? How do you make adjustments? Let me ask you one, one question at a time. Will it change how you play? I think the answer is no. Yeah, no, uh, but, but yes. So, like, we have never played since I've been at Trinity an entire game in the quarter court. And today we, we committed to playing quarter court defense the whole time. We need to get better at Wait, that. Never? Never. We've always pressed. Wow. So, so doing that <laughs> was a big step for me, but also a great opportunity for them to – to link together and do this together today. And I thought the bench energy was great. Uh, but I think you have to get outside your comfort zone in situations like this, and you have to push your team into new areas where you can find a couple things that are going to help you down the stretch. So that was what today was all about, man. Like, unorthodox game plan for us. But offensively, I think it kept our legs in it on the second day of a back-to-back, -back, and that's why we made shots. So... So, it, and that's important because the second day of the back-to-back -back is what you see, obviously, when you, you get to the tournament. You, you mentioned finding new things to get through things. Well, you found a new thing in Reedy, a really good point guard. She hits the backbreaker today, all-tournament team for us. Talk to us about how you found the freshman guard and what she means. She's in our backyard, man. She played at Bernie, which is 45 minutes from us. And uh, she played for her mom, and she played in a really good high school program. And, you know, they're a basketball family. She's the type of competitor that we want at Trinity. And, you know, recruiting is hard for all of us in the Division Three game, but when you find the type of players, like, that really fit what you want to do, you need to get them. And that's what happened with her. And not only is she a good individual player, but her competitive enthusiasm a lot of nights will drive our other players to get to their peak performance too. So, and they do that for her. So she's special, but a big reason why she's special is because her teammates believe in her and they get her opportunities to do what she does well. So credit to the whole group. So with Natalie Anderson out for a little while for injury, who steps up and plays a different or a bigger role for you? Man, gang. Yeah, it's it's true. It's by committee. Yeah. I mean, we've had four or five different starting lineups since that happened, and every single player that we've put in that position has done a great job trying to help our team. And nothing but good things can come from that. When when people finally get the opportunities they've been waiting for, and they feel like they're getting a chance to do some things that they haven't done before. Losing sucks, but you piece it together and you get to today and you win this game, that's a great boost for us moving forward. Coach.
All right, so I was wrong. I forgot I edited out the part about why they're just doing the right thing on the court means something. Go back to our D3Hoops.com classic coverage to hear Cam Smith talk about that. Cam Smith, sorry, Cameron Hill, talk about that with Gordon, um, what what they do right. And there's a couple of items in there. I think what also was interesting, first time they've never, they've only played a half-court set D uh, in his time at Trinity, which even I didn't realize. Great conversations. If we have time later, we'll hear from a couple of other individuals out there. By the way, Cam, uh, Cameron Hill, uh, Zoe Goodson, and Richard Reed. Three of the best dressed coaches, maybe in Division Three, but certainly out there at the D3Hoops.com Classic. They got those guys put on a show of the best suits out in uh, Division Three for sure. All right, so that's our D3Hoops.com coverage. Uh, hats off to Tony Thompson from Occidental. She was our most outstanding player. She just put up 45 points, by the way, last night against Whittier. Second most points, I believe, scored in Division Three and the NCAA last night, um, or at least that I know of. 56 points. I, I got to go double check. There was a player, I think for LaRoche, put up 56 points that is the most points of any player in any division of either gender in um enca this year our most outstanding player for the men's side with was anthony mazeo uh the case western reserve guard he put on a show into dominating games out there um really fun to watch him and the rest of that spartans team again go to d3hoops.com uh, you can go to the top of the page under the news tab. You'll find the d3hoops.com classic tab. Uh, you'll find all the information. You'll find video. You can see the archives of the games, box scores, photos, etc. Our friends at D3 Photography did a stellar job. Ryan Coleman out there for the first time. Fun to have those guys. Great to hang out with Gordon and Pat as well. All right. Again, so we're following a bunch of things going on in Division Three. If we have more time later in the program, we'll bring in a few more uh, interviews from Vegas, but we still have a lot more ahead of us on the show tonight. Coming up next, we'll talk to Misha Jackson, the Emory women's basketball coach. Then we'll talk to Johns Hopkins women's basketball, Shenandoah men's basketball, and George Fox men's basketball. We cover it all. Plus, at the end of the show, we'll kind of give you a synopsis of what we're going to be doing moving forward on the program, at least some of the what we know. We don't have it all mapped out just yet, but we'll give you a bunch of updates. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios on occasion. That one kind of rolled off uh, old habit style there. Uh, we'll be back with more with Misha Jackson from Emory. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA.
Responsibility is being accountable for your words and actions, first and foremost. It also is an obligation to be a positive influence in the communities around you. Being in a D3 program, you're going to have lots of different opportunities. You're not just an athlete. You're also involved in student life. Your academics are extremely important. We give a lot of our student athletes responsibilities right from the start by giving them leadership opportunities, by having them engage in the community, being a positive influence. That's being a responsible person. Division three, certainly why we exist. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. We are live, though some of our segments today will be pre-taped, and you may hear our puppy barking upstairs. I think he wants to go outside and have some fun while Daddy is downstairs on the show. If you got any questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or uh, any of our social media. Did not use Threads today. We keep running into issues trying to po- update there, but we're also on Instagram. All those at D3Hoopsville. We're simulcasting on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville along with YouTube at YouTube.com slash D3Hoopsville. Several of you watching there, and we certainly appreciate it. Of course, we're also, you can always email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. That information scrolling at the bottom of your screen. Emory women's basketball up to number seven in all the land in the latest D3hoops.com poll. Certainly playing very well, to say the least. Uh, they are 10-1 and one on this season. And to say the least, I think they're pretty pleased with how it's all working out for them. Earlier today, I talked to Misha Jackson about it all, especially with the upcoming tough conference slate ahead they're coming off of big wins including harden simmons but they got rochester watch you in chicago on the road in the next three we talked earlier today on the hoopsville hotline now joining us on the hoopsville hotline it's the head coach of the emory women's basketball team it is misha jackson coach first and foremost thanks for taking the time to join us i appreciate it i know things are a bit busy even if things feel a little slow at the beginning of january Oh, Dave, thank you for being, let me be on here. It's an honor to be on. I definitely follow you guys through and through, so happy to be here. Well, I certainly appreciate it. Um, listen, 10-1 start to the season, not not shabby, uh, especially considering the first loss was the first game out of the gate against a pretty good Christopher Newport squad coming off their title game appearance and certainly gunning to have a better season this year. You got to be thrilled with how the team's playing because you've also you've you've beaten some good teams along the way. Obviously, conference play ahead. We'll talk about that. But ten and one was this about what you thought? Better? Sure, of course. You know, we'd love to be eleven and zero. But yes, no, I did did have a lot of confidence in this group. Uh, We we have a tremendous amount returning this year, and our freshman class is phenomenal. Uh, They came in right away and challenged our returners and. They they gave us some length for sure, but they're a very physical group, and that just added a added something to our team that we didn't have, and it's really pushed us in practice. And so in practice, when we're playing, it's it's physical, it's dirty, it's grimy, and we love it. Um, but they're playing extremely confident right now, and they're playing loose, they're having fun, and this they have a ton of energy, that's for sure. But but no, I'm I'm very happy with where we are right now, but definitely not satisfied. Interesting makeup. You you talk about the youth that came in, seven freshmen. You've got one graduate student, two seniors. Mm-hmm. The rest is junior and sophomore based. You you while you have that senior grouping, you're a relatively younger team to some degree. You've got a bit of an interesting mix there. So fascinating that you're saying that that class is already contributing right away. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. And, uh, you know, if you also look at our roster, Dave, I've got quite a few from New Jersey. Uh, so I'm a I'm a fan of New Jersey uh, just because of their mentality. But as far as the, I can't hype up our freshmen enough, they came in ready to play and ready to challenge. And our returners embrace that. And so you take a little bit of the veteran nature with our youth, which is going to give you more energy. Um, and they just bought in immediately into what we were trying to do. And not necessarily all just the X's and O's that, of course, always take times, but just the championship mindset. They came in right away. And these are ones that came in from high school, had a lot of success. So they don't know losing and I don't want them to learn it. Um, and so they came in ready to challenge us for sure. And that's just definitely propelled us forward here. And listen, we don't need to perpetuate the the comment about New Jersey players being tougher. The guy, friends of ours like Ira Thor are just going to use that to to our <laughs> disadvantage. We Let's tempt that down, okay? <laughs> sure, sure. But interesting enough, uh, obviously, UAA roster, you are going to have players from a wide-ranging area and including New Jersey, no surprise there. But how do you, since we're talking about uh, getting those recruits, how do you encourage a student to literally leave their home and go a long distance away. You've got them from Illinois and New Jersey and, and elsewhere. A UAA school obviously will have travel to its benefit, but you know some schools benefit for being near their students. Right. right. It's uh it's challenging. It takes a it takes a takes a village, right? Um, word of mouth is always great. Our alums are awesome in those areas. It's people are student athletes having a great experience and going back and talking about it. It's, of course, recruiting is a big part of that and branching out, but um, nature of Emory and the high academic piece is going to attract a certain caliber of student athlete. And so we've got to go to those areas, but word of mouth, honestly, is our best friend. Um, you know, somebody has a great experience that that helps you tremendously. Yeah. Um, we certainly have seen an example of that and that's how programs certainly develop. Mm -hmm. You, you of course had the, uh, you know, the challenging task of being the assistant taking over his interim and becoming head coach um when suddenly previous coach had to depart but it seems like emory hasn't missed a step is it has it been smooth from your perspective have you been in thus this recruiting that we're seeing getting these freshmen etc has always been part of the course Sure. I think, you know, there there's years, you know, I think we could have done better than what we produced or whatnot. But I think it I think it's coming with consistently consistent staff, consistent, you know, players returning like it all feeds into it. Um, it's you know, it's our department, our athletic director, Keiko Price is, is phenomenal in helping us build our brand, helping us build our program. It's just, it's the whole thing. I, I could spend aspect. Yes, it's our players. Yes, it's our staff. Yes, it's our athletic trainers. It's everybody. And I think with all those pieces connecting and having the same mentality about excellence makes that job a lot easier. And it helps to be an alum. You know what's going on. <laughs> That's where I was heading next was it's got to be helpful also to say, listen, I also played for this program. I was a, a an all conference, all, you know, all everything for this team. I understand not only what it's like to be here and to come here, but to compete and to be in this UAA. I've seen it all. That's got to be a huge advantage. Absolutely. Um, I think it's a blessing and a curse for our players sometimes, you know, because they'll go through a whole hard workout class. You're like, coach, you don't understand this professor. I'm like, nope, I had him. And I nope, know exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's still here. <laughs> so, so it's, uh, I, for sure, I think it's a huge advantage. Um, I, you know, it was rather, I wasn't expecting to be a head coach when I did, but the transition, it does help being literally in their shoes and playing in the whirlwind of the UAA as great of a conference as it is. It does help to understand what they're going through. Tell me a little bit about this team. You're led by a graduate student in Claire Brock. She's scoring, I think, almost 20 points 
mm-hmm. a contest at 19.6. Then it's 11.3 uh, for a junior in Daniela Arnoski uh, or Aronski. I think I'm saying that. I think I got it out. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think I finally figured it out. Um, those are your double figures. So certainly more con- contributors. You've got three players at eight points or more beyond that. So, But tell me a little bit about what Brock's bringing to the table and how everybody else are complementing that or adding to it. Sure, absolutely. Um, it definitely helps to have an all-caliber player like Claire Brock to come back. Um, but we didn't know how it was going to be. She didn't know in regard to when you're doing that graduate piece and Claire's on the process to med school. Um, and so she's doing her master in bioethics. And it's a lot. And that transition was really hard for her. Um, it was really hard for her at first. And obviously, she's figured it out on the court right now. She's playing loose. She's having fun. This is her bonus year. So there's no need to play tight for her. Um, and it helps getting into a few med schools. I think that lightens the load. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I mean, Claire is Claire is everything we thought she would be in, in recruitment. As far as we knew, she would be would be the face of our program. Um, and the the culture standpoint. To be honest, I didn't know if she was going to be able to give us what she's producing on the court. But we learned that lesson three or four years ago of what she can do. But um, it's more so what Claire's able to do is because of her teammates. Um, they set her up extremely well and they understand where and how to get her the ball and they let her be her. Um, Danielle Aronsky, it also helps for Claire that, you know, Danny led the country in three point percentage um, and assists per game a year ago. And so that helps having that stand next to you or across the floor. You've got to play those two honest. Um, and, you know, Danny's Danny's getting a lot more confidence and, you know, she's running us. And I think it makes a tough one two punch with them. And you table that with you've got Izzy, Izzy, Izzy Munson, who's one of the fastest, one of the fastest guards we've ever had. And she's she's just tough containing her and getting to the rim. And you've got shooters that are shooting about 50 percent from three on the perimeter. And then we've got great length inside right now um, with our post play right now. We've got Morgan Loddick and Aaron Martin and off the bench. You're seeing Catherine Martini getting to the flow of everything. And they've got great size on them, but they can really stretch out the floor as well. Um, and they're challenging people on the glass and they're doing a really good job of protecting the rim right now for us. And so being able to run with size and with shooters, you can do a lot with that. Scary if Danielle or Danny is, is, is gaining confidence when she was leading <laughs> in assists and three point shooting. That's a scary thing to hear a coach say. Oh, trust me. It's people. I, I keep telling people they have no idea. She doesn't have any idea sometimes like she's, she's just warming up here. You speaking of just warming up seasons, kind of just warming up. You're 10 and one. You're not even technically at the halfway point, but you've already gotten wins over, you know, a wide range of teams from around division three WNL stands out to me. Um, they're a really good basketball team. I think, that, I think still that they're your own, they're only losses to you yeah confirmed at 12 and 1 and 7 oh so far no deck play harden simmons a win 76 68 that's a big one coming over the holiday break as well uh a, an easier game over swanee where you put up 99 points now you though pivot into this conference and we know the uaa is tough but you've got an nyu team that is absolutely stacked to the brim and you get to play at their actual new arena finally um, you got a Rochester team that's always tough. You got Wash U, who seems to be emerging as a pretty good team. Chicago has been up there in the conversation, though, licking their wounds a little bit off of a tough loss. And I'm not trying to dismiss anybody else, Case, Carnegie, or Brandeis. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about how tough it is on the men's side. This women's side f- sometimes is sneaky, tougher. It is. It is. I think, you know, last year we sent four teams to the tournament. 
Like that's, that's challenge. Like, you know, not many conferences are doing that. Um, but our players know, I mean, I don't even have to say it to this point. Like our returners are letting our newcomers know, listen, there is no easy day in the UAA. Like you've got, you're going to have to battle. And we set up our non-conference the way we do and to play challenging teams to get us ready for conference play, because you're absolutely right. Every night it's going to be a knockdown drag out, especially on the road, especially the way we travel. But they have to know and our players know and understand what we're competing for. And without the conference tournament, every game is a must win. It always is, of course, as coaches, but no conference tournament. It makes that much pressure on every single game. I noticed on your schedule to this point, you have played three uh, sets of games on back-to-back nights. We were we were talking to Todd McGinnis out in Vegas. He talked about how last year he felt his team wasn't ready for the NCAA tournament because they didn't play on back-to-back nights in the UAA. And that that was a big deal. And so he literally requests it in Vegas. He's done it three times. You've done it three times. The 11th, 12th of November, the 18th, 19th of November. Interestingly, on back-to-back weekends, 30th and 31st of December. By design, same idea? Same idea. Um, and we literally, like, uh, my players will tell you, you know, I don't, I'm direct, I'm up front. And I tell them, like, guys, like, you know, you see him a little bit fatigued after game, things like that. And I tell them, hey. When you get to NCAA tournament, this is what it's going to be like. you got to have a quick turnaround. And while we don't do it in the UAA, the travel in between is heavy. Um, you know, it's it's a different beast of its own. But you're exactly right. That's definitely why we scheduled it, because you have to be ready on the back-to-back. you got to be ready to do a quick scout. And at the end of the day, I do believe when you're getting to that time of the year, Everybody may be doing a couple of wrinkles and tweaks here and there, but you're going to play. You're going to do what you do, and we're going to do what we do. And whoever whoever does them best is going to win. Yeah, and whoever's best prepared. And that's one of my pivot was in the conference. Obviously, you've got a day between. You're right. The schedule just doesn't allow yeah. to try and sneak in a game. Weather would make a havoc of that anyway. Mm-hmm. Interesting enough, you'll start with actually the trip to Rochester this time, so you get the finish at home. You don't have to worry about that that long trip you guys have the oddity of being the partners that are nowhere near each other in the UAA makes the most sense right yeah totally totally but of course (laughs) one would argue you guys are sitting there as the outliers um I'm sure you're recruiting hard to find a UAA school closer to you all um but again you'll go to Rochester but then you'll go to Washington and Chicago before you get home so you do have a bit of a grind to get things going there's a benefit to that as I said end of the season you're going to have it come back to you at home but is it also good to just get it out of the way i think you know the benefit right now is we're not in class um and so for the girls i'm like you're professional athletes right now um you know we we're going to have five uaa games without or four here without classes um which is great um excuse me three we had five total um over the break here without classes so i think what's with that is you know obviously our players are always always in the gym but now they're able to do more whether it's their recovery the the lifting things like that the conditioning and so that's going to be the benefit for us and we have to make sure we utilize it but um you know it's is it's as easier as it's going to be without class but you're still going on the road to rochester washington chicago so it's not going to be easy with or without class but sure you know i'd like to be home at the end of the year why not yeah interesting enough five of the first seven games are going to be on the road the only two at home are going to be case and carnegie Interesting enough, you'll flip that to the back end of it. You'll play five of seven at home with Case and Carnegie being the final or the only ones on the road. They'll come in the final three, though. So interesting dichotomy there. But you're right. To some degree, this schedule benefit is kind of giving you a little bit of a benefit. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. But how do you prepare Absolutely. for it's, uh, 
Yeah. How, <laughs> I was like, well. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, how do you prepare for those teams that you are going to face? You were, NYU looks pretty darn good, as I said. What, what is your opinion of what this conference looks like, and how, do you, how are you going to be able to attack each of those games this season? Sure. Uh, one at a time. One at a time. Um, it's what's worked for us this year. And, you know, what I've really leaned into our players, they're confident. They're confident and they play loose. And when they play loose and confident, they're scary. Because um, I'll be honest with you, Dave, there's some games that we won this year where we played just quite frankly sloppy. Um, and so we've got to we've got to tune them up and we played sloppy and won. And that's not something like, you know, obviously as coaches, we want to tune that up. But it's just showing for our players just like now, guys, if we clean this up, think about how scary we can be. And so for us, it's 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 taking them one at a time. Um, but it's also we've got to lean into and for me, I've definitely been a defensive minded coach. Um, I'm big on scout. I'm big on, you know, if you've ever watched me coach, I'm yelling out everything that's going on, play call, what the kid's favorite color is, whatever it may be. But for for us, we and this is where my staff, um, you know, Alex Berman, Chuck Leader are really great at keeping me like, hey. That's great what they do, but what about us? What are we doing? Like, what do we need to prepare and focus on and highlight for us? And they balance me out well there. When you look at you, obviously it's a game by game, and certainly appreciate that. You talk though about you know winning ugly. Mm-hmm. Is that something that is hard to drill into the player to understand? We need to fix that because they did win, sure. and I not to forecast losses but is it gonna take an ugly loss to have them understand that or are they there already i think you know i still think we have a ways to go like you said we still have you know it's it's only played 11 games um and when i say a ways to go it's because i see the potential in this team um and i think we can go the distance and so for them it's what we've talked about every day we're competing for a championship and so you know, it's it, we challenge them in practice. We we definitely we're, the way we coach things and switch things up in practice is definitely a lot harder than what we have in years past because this team can handle it. And so right away, as soon as like you said, absolutely, like I tell them all the time, you can learn from a win or you can learn from a loss. Um, and you know that usually snaps them out of it right away. And you know we may do whether it's a shooting drill or something in practice. It's like a year ago, two years ago, like we're minus forty in that drill, and I'm like, okay, well, okay, now we hit the goal and they're mad about it because they're like, no, well, we had time to get even more than that. And so we should be better. And so, you know, kudos to our upperclassmen, but it's kudos to our freshmen. They're buying right into that as well. And are of like, Hey, that's not good enough. And we don't want to settle. Before I let you go announcement today about the new media package with ESPN plus that has more of an impact on women's basketball in division three and volleyball than it does on men's basketball. It'd be blipped to be blunt because we've had the championship game on CBS since 2013, and we had it prior to that um, for a stretch. The women we had to pay, and I say we, Division Three had to pay to get it on CBS the last couple of years. It's only the title game. Now it's moving to a semifinals championship on ESPN Plus Digital. But still, your gut check, and, and we're still going to learn more about these deals, et cetera. We don't know all the, the ins and outs and how it will be impactful, but – from your sure. instinct, your just your initial look at it, what what do you think that does for women's basketball in Division Three? Mm-hmm. I think it continues to grow our brand and grow the game. Um, you know, my counterpart Jason.
Zimmerman said it best. Good basketball is good basketball. Um, and you're going to get your, you know, you're going to get, get to see what, what our teams are doing. Um, and, and I'll be honest, Dave, when I transferred in Emory, I was that person that had the skewed view of division three. And so now being in it and playing against, especially in the UAA, I learned very quickly, this is good basketball. This is great basketball. And so being able to put it out there and see what our student athletes are doing, you know, day in and day out, just like everybody else. Um, and so I think being able to get the women's brand out there in a bigger way, it's even better. I'd love to see that. Certainly college basketball at the Division One level with ESPN has been very synonymous, so it is good to see it come together with that. And I'm talking about the tournament primarily, mm -hmm. um, but obviously we have a lot to go on, and we'll talk more about it on this show in the future. Coach, appreciate your time. Really appreciate your perspective as always. Uh, great to hear about your team, and good luck in what I know will be a daunting UAA. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who might be tuned in? Uh, yes. Thank you, Dave. I really appreciate it. And just a huge, huge thank you to everything you guys do for our game. And, you know, from watching D3 Hoops Twitter or whatnot from a player to seeing how much it's taking up my newsfeed is awesome to see. So thank you guys so much for growing our brand. Yeah, well, sorry for taking up all that time, too, uh, <laughs> from reading the social medias. No well, problem. Coach, good luck, as we said. Safe travels. We'll look forward to catching up with you down the road. All right. Thanks, Dave. Misha Jackson joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of the Emory women's basketball team. It is Misha Jackson. Coach, first. Oh, reset there. Sorry. Uh, I forgot the audio was on loop there again. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Thanks to Misha Jackson joining us earlier today on the Hoopsville Hotline. Again, they they start tough in the conference. They're going to play five of their first six on the road, um, including three straight, Rochester, Washu, Chicago. That will benefit them on the back end. But that is going to be a tough conference. Uh, NYU, Emory, Washu, and Chicago, I think, are going to be tough ones. Rochester certainly isn't one to walk, uh, to look over. And who knows what Brandeis, Carnegie, and Case are going to play in there. So I think the women's side on the UAA is going to be fun to watch, and I appreciate Misha coming on the show to talk about her Emory squad. We'll take another break. When we come back, we'll keep talking women's basketball. We'll head to Baltimore to an actual former UAA school. Johns Hopkins will be on the program. We'll talk to their new head coach. A lot of turnover at Hopkins and finally getting a chance to dive in with the Blue Jays. When we come back, you listen to Hoopsville presented by, excuse me, the cold kicking in, presented by D3Hoops.com. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. I used to never really talk, ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. 
Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How it wouldn't change it for the world. We are calling you, all of you. We are calling all Division Three schools to join our cause. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go into personal training and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. I used to never really talk, ever. I was scared and shy. All about it 
It is the head coach, Rodney Rogan, joining us here. Coach, first and foremost, welcome to back to the show. Last time we had you on, you were at Rhodes. You're now down the street from me at the old Johns Hopkins Homewood campus. Um, congratulations. Welcome to Baltimore. Let's start with that. Um, I, I don't want to say I was surprised to see your name in the mix. I would have expected to see a lot of really good names in the mix for that job when it opened up. But what drew you to the job? What drew you to taking the job? Yeah, I think uh, thanks for having me. Um, the what drew me to the the position is think you know the name Johns Hopkins obviously carries a lot of weight. Uh, it's a team and a program that's had a lot of success, um, not just the women's basketball program, but most of the sports at the at the university. So just knowing that you're surrounded by these these coaches, administrators, student athletes who have such high expectations of themselves and achieve so much that's kind of what definitely drew me in and i'm i listen from my own outside perspective i would think Rhodes and hopkins to some degree are somewhat on par in terms of institutions i know hopkins is really considered up there i, I i've always felt that Rhodes was considered just as high the athletic programs maybe just not as well known but it feels like you're kind of very familiar with what hopkins already has on the table yes i think Rhodes is a great academic school, uh, high standards and student athletes who expect a lot of themselves. And so Hopkins is obviously just a, a great school as well with um, a name that definitely stretches, you know, past just the East Coast or United States. And and so that the familiarity there in terms of, oh, these these students are are high achievers from high school and making the transition in there. So there are some similarities there in terms of knowing I needed to recruit uh, great students with with the grades, and you know, I think that has made the transition for me um, a little bit easier as well. Interesting enough, you didn't get hired until August seventh, a little bit later than I think many of us thought you would, and only because we had all been under the impression it was going to be a quick hiring process. It started with the men, then the women. Granted, both of them were kind of later decisions; they weren't exactly early. Um, did that feel like you were behind in any way coming onto campus and, and getting situated, getting with the team, et cetera? Yeah, it's definitely it was definitely a little later than, you know, you anticipate and 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 would like. But, you know, the days keep going. You know, first day of school is 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 set in stone, the first day of practice, all that. So, you know, once you get started, it it doesn't really matter. You you gotta make the relationship with the players. And that that game schedule is set. So um, just kind of working to play catch up and get comfortable, you know, in Baltimore um, at Johns Hopkins with the players, all that. So it's been, you know, a constant, uh, constant kind of go situation. But we've I've been able to settle in a little bit. Interestingly, maybe overusing that word a little bit tonight. um, You aren't having the learning curve, at least in terms of results, that I think a lot of us expected to see only because it's natural. You are not the same coach. Um, we're seeing a little bit on the men. Ryan Kane is is not the same coach. Different systems, different mentalities, different ideas on offense and defense and practices and, and time commitment, whatever the case may be. What's been the secret to the success other than, and we'll talk about it, obviously you've got some good talent on this team. We knew that. But what's the reason and, and the, for the success at 10-1 and one in your first year? What's been, the, what's been the key? You said it. I mean, it does come down, down to the players and, and their skill set 
and their mentality. Obviously, that that comes first. Um, my mindset has been, you know, this is kind of how we want to play. I want to to turn it over to them. We're going to work on the right things in practice. We want to try to play with pace. We want to try to guard without fouling. We want to rebound and, you know, follow the scout and take care of the ball. And so it's been, to me, basketball is, you know, it's it's simple at its base. And then you can continue to add counters and and whatever you want to do and, and whatever your verbiage is, you know, but it's pretty rebound you know go you know that's that's what we want to do and and letting the players know that they can trust themselves to go out there and be basketball players i i don't like to tell them every little thing that's going to happen you know we're going to train and they're going to get those reps in so hopefully when we get out there in the game they can you know learn to trust yourself it's not it's not easy to do to build that confidence um as a player and so that's kind of what we we try to practice with with the squad every day uh, started the season, interesting enough, all the way uh, up in New York, uh, where you got to see a couple of UAA teams. Uh, you got the win over Wash U by 13 in game number one, and then NYU did to you what they've been doing to everybody uh, and handled you guys by 20. But you got back on the horse. You got wins over Marymount and Gettysburg, impressively enough. Uh, McDaniel, Bryn Mawr, Muhlenberg, F&M, Dickinson, and then saw some more UAA opponents and got uh, number 11, Chicago, before beating Kenyon rather easily in the next game, uh, those games all taking place in Tennessee. That gets us up to where we are now. Three UAA teams going two and one. Not only are you having success as a team, you're getting good results and top results. The fact you've also got the win over Gettysburg already, a team that this it's it's Gettysburg and Hopkins on the women's side so far in this conference for the last few years. Those are all key, and we're not even at the midway point. Yeah, the. The schedule that we have here, it was made to test uh, to test the team. And, you know, you play some UAA schools, um, Marymount, you know, NCAA tournament teams, Gettysburg within our conference. And so, you know, the good news is that you can see maybe where you're at or, you know, early on, you know, Wash U, great program. And NYU going up there in their new facility and and playing with playing against them, you know, we had a good first half and then they're just so deep um and they were able to you know be a, a strong veteran team obviously national championship aspirations and just a stacked roster so they certainly um show what they're capable of in that second half and i always think that for us we want to be getting better every day every game and so we were able to learn from that you know how how do you guard inside how do you guard their four who's you know three all-americans you know at least on that team um and then that's been able to at least help us as we go through our conference play and non-conference with Chicago and, you know, all the schools. Dickinson is a tough team. You know, it's it's a very strong defensive-minded conference that we're in. Um, but you want to test yourself. And to have the results that we have right now, you, you're certainly pleased. And you're, I'm very proud of our squad for what they've been able to do. Yeah, Dickinson, interestingly enough, beat Smith by three the other night, but I saw them at Gettysburg and it wasn't pretty. They're an odd team that you expect more out of, but you guys got to win over them. This conference feels really tough as I'm one who sees it up close myself, but it also feels like it's got some curveballs that you aren't going to expect, including Dickinson maybe not playing well or someone playing beyond their their means. Yeah, I think I think I feel like all the coaches in, in this conference definitely have um, you know a point of view of how they want their team to play. And it certainly seems like a lot of them hang their hats on defense. And so it is a, you know, 
grind it out. And certainly we want to try to up the pace a little bit. I think, you know, Gettysburg can do that as well. And so, you know, when you're, you're out there, it's you got a game plan for some tough players and also how, how are you going to score um, with with kind of the pace, and the way teams play. So I am not in a position where I think, oh, we can just show up and play and roll the balls out. It's like it's one game at a time for us. And that's our mindset. So we have one. Saturday and then we'll we'll keep working on what's next but it's there's no there's no cakewalks in my opinion I'm I'm double checking my calendar I believe yes I will be at Gettysburg for your rematch with them coming up on the 31st of January um let's pivot to the team you've got four seniors and or graduate students on this team but I'm going to read off some names to you and I find this interesting these are the leading scorers on the team the top five with nine points or more Elizabeth uh, Peeble, uh, Pebbles, Peebles, Pebbles? Peebles. It is Peebles. Yeah, I knew that. Um, yeah. I better get ready by the 31st. Uh, <laughs> Greta Miller, Michaela O'Neill, um, 12.7, 11.2, 10.4 points per game. Macy Feldman, 9.3. Kendall Dunham, 8.9. None of them are seniors. They are juniors mm-hmm. and they are sophomores. This is a team that, yes, it's got some senior leadership. Your captain is a graduate student. But you've got a team that if they are already figuring out this year, buckle up, everybody, because you've got them another year or two, if not more, plus the freshmen that are on this team. This is this is when you when you start prognosticating, that's a scary combination. And you're not the only one in the conference with this, but that when you're 10 and one, that's impressive and the luxury. Yeah, I've I've been really impressed with you know, everyone on the team, whether it's our, our seniors and, uh, you know, on down with the level of maturity. And sometimes I think I forget with, you know, Macy and Kendall handle the the point guard spot for us. And there's there's no, nothing in my mind that says, oh, they're just sophomores, you know, or they just finished their freshman year. They feel they have a maturity about them and they compete. And that's, a you know, obviously a tough spot to play. And so what we have is very talented uh, players and great leadership with with our seniors and then the underclassmen too. So, just the the fact that we can compete whether whether someone's starting or getting some reserve minutes, the attitude that that everyone brings allows us to have great practices. And when you can have great practices and train that way, you're going to get better. And I think they compete with each other because they want to play, um, and that's what you expect. But they're pushing each other every day. And so what, what we can do um, with that class, um, you know, Liz Peebles, um, seeing her the first workout, um, that was a, a nice surprise because she didn't play that much last year. And knowing that she's just a, such a dynamic player, I was like, oh, this is this is even better than I anticipated um, with just the the depth that we have. So that's, that's nice to know that we can continue to grow and they're battle tested already as, you know, sophomores juniors obviously and then our senior class as well this is a program though that has felt like it's left it short at the end of the season and by the way i'll quickly point out you're playing nine players at the very least almost every game you're playing everybody at least in a quarter of the games this season most of them are are seeing playing in minutes but this is a program that as you probably did your research has left it short at the end they've been a juggernaut in the conference can't win the conference championship get to the ncaa tournament can't get past a game that everyone expected them to is, is there a little bit of bruise and scars in, in the team that you do need to work through here and, and still build some confidence with a 10 and one program that, yeah, we're going to be able to complete this or here's what we're going to need to do to complete the season. 
I, I do think that it's just something not looking ahead. I think obviously it's probably in the back of their minds a little bit, you know, I think uh, playing Gettysburg and getting that win, I think gave them a little bit more confidence and maybe could, you know, relax your shoulders a little bit, but it's, that's just one game. Uh, we have, we've had 11 so far, we've got plenty more to do. And so I think, I try to bring uh, my perspectives, just being calm, knowing that I'm going to be there for them as a coach in those situations and also continuing to let them know that they have to believe in themselves, that they're capable of of this. They're capable, you know, what they've done so far is great, but they want And as long as you're not afraid, those moments, you know, a little bit of fear, nervousness um, is natural, but that's what you're competing for. So, you know, don't be afraid uh, to go out there and, and make that shot, to take that shot to, you know, to take that charge and to just to be excited and lead. So there's certainly, you know, history, context, all that uh, comes into play, but this is a new squad and and we're building a new belief in what we can do and what we want to achieve. Uh, quick side note, uh, you are not the only uh, now former SAA coach in the Baltimore region. Your cohort at Birmingham Southern, uh, Mike Ricks, is just up the street from you at my alma mater. Uh, at Goucher. Nice to see a little uh, different blood in the Baltimore area, to say the least. Do you guys compare notes? Were you even conversing when those two jobs opened up? No, we were we were not. And then um, saw that he had, had gotten that. And then I was like, oh, small world moving up here from the SAA now up here in the same area. And also he's from the Houston area too, which I am as well. So it's, that was kind of funny putting all that together. So we're, uh, we have, we have plans to, to, we talked about trying to get lunch. We got a little bit busy here um, and all that, but right in the middle of the season, but it's, it's fun to see someone who you coach against for a number of years up in the same area and, and building a program as well. Yeah, he's got a little bit more building to do than you do, but uh, he'll get there. He got his first win, especially in conference play. We'll talk about Gil Gophers a little bit later because it's worth mentioning. Uh, Just a note, though, um, I did not see your name in the Goucher job opening. Um, Listen, I wasn't perusing. I'm just saying, Rodney, if you can apply to uh, Hopkins, you can apply to Goucher. It's just a small, small favor on on my part, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I'm happy. I'm very happy with, uh, with, <laughs> Sir, with the- I kid, I, I no great job. You deserve to get the Hopkins gig. And I, I tip my hat to you. Uh, Goucher is a little bit more of a rebuilding gig and there were other reasons Mike's there, but I'm glad he is. Um, yeah. Hey, listen, congratulations on a tremendous start, especially in your first year there at Hopkins. That is not an easy place and, and you're certainly doing it well. Uh, I saw Ryan Kane the other day, but send him my regards. We'll be talking to him soon. I am sure. Um, I know it's fun to be on the Homewood campus and I know you're probably still settling in, but thanks for taking the time. I'll catch up with you down the road, but we have a tradition on the show as you're well aware. We always give the guests the final word, any final thoughts, maybe something we haven't talked about, about your program that you want to share with those tuned in. Uh, yeah, no, again, thanks for having me. It's just, like I said, it's just been so great to be able to work with the the players that we have and been able to learn from them, just like learning from the players, you know, learn from the players at Rhodes and so excited for anyone that I've been able to coach um, for their success. And uh, just seeing how the team has grown here at Johns Hopkins, and I feel like the players are growing in the confidence and the way they get along with each other is always fun to be around. So it's it's fun to show up every day, which is which is what you want as a coach. So I'm just thrilled and excited to get deeper into conference and see what we can do. 
Well, I, I agree with you. It is definitely fun to be around them. Uh, it may not be fun by the time you get to the end of the conference. We'll see. Uh, I look forward to seeing you by the end of the month at the very least. Take care of yourselves. Enjoy it. I appreciate the time. Very nice backdrop. I kind of can guess where you might be. Nice little area. And, yeah, you know uh, <laughs> yeah, in, yeah, enjoy it, sir. Thanks for taking the time. Look forward to catching up down the road. All right. Thanks. Have a good one. You too. Rodney Rogan joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. We should point out again, Catherine Bixby was a coach last time. I forgot to mention in pregame, she left for a Division One job just down the street as well at Loyola, Maryland. You might remember that men's coach who was previously at Hopkins, who's now at Cincinnati, had come from Loyola, Maryland. Um, so interesting, Loyola, Maryland and, uh, and Hopkins, they're, they're not that far apart from one another. It's really crazy, but she's now the assistant there. Uh, and Rodney's doing a great job there at Hopkins. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll switch to men's basketball, and we'll head down I-81, talk Shenandoah. They have taken their first loss, unfortunately, but we'll talk to Nick Doyle about the hot flying Hornets into the top 25. Before their loss, they were 12-0. and 0. Pretty good start, pretty good midpoint of the season for the Hornets. You're listening to Hoops Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com. From the Back with more after this. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division three school, you primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. 
I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important. But as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back, everybody. As we continue to roll along on this show, we got still two more segments ahead and some more business to do. Shenandoah men's basketball, George Fox men's basketball, and some wrap-up. You notice the gopher jersey is hanging in the studio tonight. We got to talk about my alma mater because it's actually worth talking about. That's all still ahead. You got questions for us? All that information right at the bottom of your screen. If you're listening uh, and not paying attention, email us, d 3 sportscom Speaking of which, probably should check my email, right? Make sure nobody's uh, nope, nobody's emailed us. Um, you can also join us on social media at D3 Hoopsville on almost all those channels. Uh, Hoopsville for Facebook and D3 Hoopsville as well for our live stream simulcast on YouTube. We're, we're simulcasting on Facebook as well. All right, switching gears, men's basketball, as we mentioned, Shenandoah in uh, the old Dominion Athletic Conference on I-81. I pass it all the time while going down to something in Virginia. I got told last year that Shenandoah was worth watching. They weren't there yet, but they were worth watching. Keep an eye on them. They're going to make the, uh, some results in the ODAC interesting. And let's be honest, they did. This year, I was told going in, watch them very carefully. They are going to be up there. Now, we already have Randolph-Macon. Virginia Wesleyan's always in the conversation. Hamden Sydney has absolutely come out guns a-blazing with Caleb Kimbrough. They're the new number one team in all the land in D3Hoops.com. Top 25. You also still have others who are a pain in the rear end, like Clay Nunley and Roanoke. Lynchburg may not be at its hey, heyday, but they're still a tough program. And there's others. Oh, did I mention Guilford? Yeah, the list is long. The Old Dominion Athletic Conference may be the toughest conference in Division Three this year. There's certainly other conferences that will make them run for it. One of the reasons is the Shenandoah Hornets. Until the last game, they were undefeated at 12-0 before having to hit the road to Virginia Wesleyan to talk about it and what is going well and maybe not going well. I don't know. Maybe maybe he'll be honest with us. We'll see. Nick Doyle joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline to talk about the Shenandoah Hornets. Coach, first and foremost, congratulations on the start of the season. We'll talk about the Virginia Wesleyan game. We'll get into that. And I know it's bittersweet to be coming in onto this show with that loss. But you were 12-0. and 0. You got to the midway point of this season undefeated, and you didn't do it easily. You had some good results in there, including wins over Roanoke, including a win over Guilford. 
This is no joke. You guys have got to be thrilled. Absolutely. And again, thanks for having us on here and giving Shenandoah basketball, you know, a platform to talk about our brand. And, you know, this season's um, obviously very exciting for our school and university and our players. And I just give them all the credit. They they bought into what we're trying to do. And, you know, we're in year two of trying to build something special here. Maybe we're probably a little accelerated from what we thought we could probably do. But, you know, the guys have done a really great job just buying in and, you know, coming every day to really just you know, get get a little bit closer in our chemistry and just do what we're supposed to do. And it's fun to, you know, kind of see their hard work pay off for sure. You're in your second season? Second season. Is that right? Yeah, okay. Took over in your second season. You're familiar with the Old Dominion Athletic Conference. Speaking of Virginia Wesleyan, that's where you were. That's where you played. What was the enticement on this job? Because for the most part, Nothing in Shenandoah. They're competitive on occasion, but they're in the bottom half of the Old Dominion Athletic Conference for the most part. Did you see something here that you thought you could take advantage of? Well, I think it's just anytime you have an opportunity to be a head coach at Division Three level um, is a special opportunity. And, you know, especially being in the ODAC, I thought that was an opportunity that, you know, if you have a chance to get your name in the hat, you should probably take advantage of that because they don't come around very often. And just how good that league is and to be a part of the coaches that have been in this league, you know, it's pretty special to join that kind of fraternity. So I think Shenandoah, you know, I didn't really know too much about it. All I knew was playing against them and competing against them. But then when I got to campus and saw, you know, what the campus looked like, the resources we have available and just the people we have in certain places that uh, I thought there was a chance for it to be pretty special. And we're not there yet, but I think there's opportunity for us to really, um, you know, be a consistent, you know, program throughout the year, every year. You also have one of the nicer gyms. Granted, it's an arms race a little bit in the Old Dominion Athletic Conference. There's several nice gyms. There's also some classic old school gyms in the ODAC, but you've got one of the nicer ones that overlooks the Valley and I-81. Probably see a few accidents now that I think about it. Anyway, um, interesting situation, though. Again, last year there were people putting in my ear, listen, Shenandoah is a team to just keep an eye on. They're not there yet, but they will be. And then heading into the season, I had several in the ODAC going, yeah, we'll add Shenandoah to your list because they're going to be tough. 12-0, and 0, you and Ferrum catching yeah. all the headlines. Well, Randolph-Macon and Guilford and Hamden-Sydney were certainly deserving of headlines as well. And, heck, Dave Macedo at Virginia Wesleyan playing well as well. Did it, did it get to anybody's heads? Or were you guys enjoying the, the spotlight a little bit but feeling like you were still flying a little low? Oh, absolutely. I think, um, you know, we, we love people finally talking about Shenandoah basketball. But, you know, we still have a lot to prove. You know, we really haven't done anything yet. We've we've taken care of who's in front of us, but you know, the ODAC's just the ODAC's coming for you. And it's super competitive. Every night's a different, you know, different type of style. And if you're not ready, anybody can beat you. Um, so I thought, you know, last night Virginia Wesleyan's a really tough opponent at third place in Virginia Beach. Coach Macedo does an unbelievable job and and those guys play extremely hard. And, you know, I thought they just um, you know, they were a little bit better down the stretch last night i thought we were right there and just uh, didn't make the plays we needed to i thought yeah. it was a good learning moment for us to really take advantage moving forward you played under dave macedo you were his top assistant for four years you would have thought he would have done you you done you better there i i felt like you got you 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 didn't get you got done dirty i think macedo did you dirty it's just it didn't he get the memo that to, to continue this great story and to help out an alum that they were it was okay to lose by one 
Yeah, and Coach Macedo is great. You know, we're like family and, you know, we love competing against each other. It's great. We know what each other is going to do, everything about it. So we got to find, you know, very creative ways to do, change things up. But, you know, the, the part that we hate is at the end, you know, somebody's got to take a loss. And that's probably the toughest part between us. But we love competing each other, you know, a little chess match going back and forth because just because we've been together so long. You know, we used to spend more time with each other than we would with our families. So to be able to do that, you know, to continue to compete against him is really fun and special for me and my family. And, you know, I just tell you, one of these days, you know, I'm going to knock him off. You know, we're, we're going to get to that point at some point. So I just look forward to con continue and competing against him. Uh, we should point out it doesn't get any easier because you'll be playing a game tomorrow, the 5th, uh, on a quirky Friday in the Old Dominion Athletic Conference before five days off. You'll have to, uh, you'll at least at home against Lynchburg before you'll hit the road uh, against Averett back uh, coming up on the 10th. So an odd kind of turnaround here, a little tight to start January. What is the mentality of the guys at this point, though? Okay, coming off the loss, you still got the rest of the conference play ahead of you. You still got Lynchburg, Averett, Ferrum, Randolph, Macon, Hamden, Sydney, Eastern Mennonite. Randolph Macon, Washington Lee, who we haven't mentioned for some reason. Then Guilford again, Averett, Randolph Macon again, Ferrum. What's the mentality? I know it's game by game, but how do you how do you recover from the loss, pivot to Lynchburg, and start focusing on the rest of the run? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's college basketball. You, you rarely go undefeated. You know, so you're not expected, you know, we're going to have probably a few losses this year. Everybody does in ODAC right now. So it's just, you know, what can we learn from that? And, you know, it's probably good for us that we do have a quick turnaround. We don't really have to dwell on it. You know, a quick one-day prep for Lynchburg, who's another really good team coming into, you know, the Wilkins Center for us to try to, you know, have a really good game against. Um, So I think, you know, today we had a really good practice moving on, but really trying to learn from how we can, you know, play at an elite level for 40 minutes like you have to do to beat a top team in the ODAC. So I think everybody's motivated. Um, Obviously, uh, you know, losing one on the road with, with what we've been able to do is tough. But, um, yeah, I think the guys are ready to move forward and just let's let's try to get back on track tomorrow. Let's talk a little bit about this team. Um, and when you look at just experience, as it were, there's only one guy with four years of experience on the squad and in, in Davian Roberts, a graduate student. There's one other senior and in, in Gavin Biziak. And then it's three senior. I'm sorry, there is a couple of seniors who have had a couple of years experience. But really, it's it's kind of underclassmen, juniors, sophomores, a, a bit of freshmen. Uh, Jalen Williams, certainly a graduate student who's come on board, but you, you kind of have a, a mix there. Williams is leading the way right now in points at 17.6. He's bringing in that grad experience, but the rest of the team is still kind of learning, I, I'm assuming. And, and that's where you talked about being a little bit young and still trying to learn and figure things out. Yeah, we're in year two of trying to build a program and change an entire culture um, of doing things the right way. And you know, we haven't been together that long. Even, you know, Jalen Williams coming back, this is my first year coaching him. Him and our other two leading scorers, you know, Evan Makel, Nick Pullum, it's our first year really playing together. It's our first year ever being on a team together. So we're still working through some kinks here and there, but, you know, they've done a really good job of buying in. And, you know, we kind of have some older, really old guys and then really young guys. Um, which I think for us is a good mix that everybody can kind of learn from each other. But I think, you know, it's just how quickly can we speed up the process of our chemistry and, you know, doing all the details and our brand of basketball when it's our, we, most of us haven't known each other for more than 12 months. So, and it's building that trust as quickly as we can, but I think the guys have done a really good job of buying into that and, you know, really just accepting the coaching and really just trying to do things the right way. So it's a fun team to coach without a doubt.
you play a lot of guys too. You're you're willing to play a lot of guys and give them that experience and that time. You're also clearly dealing with some injuries as well. It's part of the course. It's part of the of the of the grind, as it were. Um, but guys are getting some experience that that could benefit you, whether it's the end of this season or next year or the year after. Yeah, absolutely. I think we have a, a really strong, talented freshman class that we want to get them as much game experience as possible because we do have some seniors, you know, that are leading the way right now, but they'll be moving on. And, you know, them guys need to be ready to play. Um, so I think we're just trying to, you know, we're not afraid to throw guys out there because we know what they're capable of. And we just want them to, as long as they're doing confident and doing what they need to do, you know, we're confident in them. This team is, by best I can tell, never been in the uh, Old Dominion Athletic Conference tournament. Um, I think the last time they were in the tournament, I think they were part of the USA South, if memory serves. And then Christopher Newport was in that year as well. Um, I know we don't want to get the, the card ahead of the horse necessarily, but a chance to really make this a record year and, and, uh, and a historic year for this program has got to be on the minds of some. Absolutely. You know, we, we start out this year just saying, you know, let's get to Salem. And Salem for us, you know, is a top six team in the ODAC that, you know, you get to play in the Salem Civic Center and compete for a championship. Our programs never got that experience. And, you know, we think we have a team that can get that. Um, so we're excited to just keep competing every night. But we, you know, take it game by game. And if we do that, I think we'll have our chances to be in Salem. And, you know, then you got to go through, like you just named them off, the Randolph-Macons, Virginia Wesleyans, Guilford, hampton Sydneys. You got to go through one of the big dogs to get through, Right. But um, so we're just excited to have the opportunity, hopefully, to compete in Salem. And, you know, that would change a lot of things for our program to finally, you know, get over that hump. Give us your sense of, and you talked a little bit generically about the conference, but again, Randolph making a champ from two years ago nationally. Um, Hamden Sydney's number one in the country right now, playing really well. Guilford is obviously playing well at the number three slot, nationally ranked polls. You can't take anything away from Virginia Wesleyan, as you noted. We got Roanoke. You've got Eastern Mennonite. You've got Washington Lee, who I think is sneaky good, um, and others. Just how difficult is this conference this year? It's extremely difficult. Every night's a different style, and I think the coaches do such a great job of scouting and you know just recruiting high level players. I think there's higher level players in the ODAC on every team, and if you're not ready to go, you're going to get beat. Right? Doesn't matter who you're playing. And it's such a different style that if you're not able to adjust, then it's a really tough night. Um, and, you know, when we talk about the you know, conference tournament, you know, top six teams go to Salem. That's going to be tough right now. Five teams are ranked and then you got to go through every single one to get there. Um, so it's just tough. You know, the coaches do a great job and, you know, we're just fortunate to be in the ODAC and hopefully this year being in a, a position where we can compete. No, it's a lot of guys from Virginia, some from Maryland. People don't realize, really, Shenandoah is somewhat close to the nation's capital, the Baltimore Metroplex, et cetera. You guys are in kind of a, a perfect little spot there where you can feel like you can get away, but in reality, you're close to everything. Oh, yeah, we're right up north, you know, an hour to D.C., you know, right West Virginia, Pennsylvania, we're right up there. So we're, I think we're in a great location. They were kind of, in my opinion, we're a hidden gem. And I don't think many people know about Shenandoah and what we have to offer. And especially in Virginia, I think we've been uh, kind of under the radar for a while, especially men's basketball. So being able to get recruits to see the campus and see what we can offer, I think um, is something that people are starting to take notice of. Well, Nick, I'm, I'm really impressed. Uh, again, told to keep an eye on you guys, but I don't think anyone was ready for it to be 12-0. and 0. 
um, before the, the rug got pulled a little bit. But I, I know it's not over, so we're looking forward to seeing how it progresses. By the way, you should point out, in the top 25, uh, I, I think that might be for the first time in program history, if, uh, if memory serves. So you guys are obviously doing it right and doing it well. You've got some big results. Tip of the hat. Seriously impressed. Uh, and I appreciate you taking the time to, to join us and talk all about it. Even talk to some smack about Macedo. That's always good by my standards. Uh, as always, I would give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Yeah, and no, we just appreciate you giving us the opportunity to you know, shine, shine a light on Shenandoah basketball and something we are very passionate about. And, you know, just giving the opportunity for our players that maybe somebody watching this, you know, Googles them a little bit or wants to tune into the game tomorrow night to see, you know, the work that they put in. Um, because it's a really special group that I love coaching. And, you know, we're just really trying to enjoy this year with the, the guys that we have and what we're trying to build here, because I think it could be pretty special. So just thank you again, you know, for giving us the opportunity. Absolutely. Well, thank you as well for coming on. Really makes our show better when we get the guests to come on. So appreciate the time. Good luck tomorrow night against Lynchburg and the rest of the way. We'll look forward to catching up with you down the road. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Absolutely. You take care of yourself. Nick Doyle joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline again. They've got Lynchburg coming up on the Friday game. Then five days off, they'll take on Averett. Going to be a really fascinating watch in that ODAC. Okay, we've already gone through three men's guests from the Old Dominion Athletic Conference. Usually we try and pace things out a little bit more. He said it. There's five teams he quoted as being ranked. I want to double-check that. I know there were four. Are there five? There's Hamden, Sydney, Guilford, Randolph, Macon, Shenandoah, Virginia, Wesleyan. Five of them ranked, and only six get into the and into their tournament out of the ten that they've got. Think about that for a moment. If holding, if rankings were hold out, let's just say four are in the top 25 at all times. Only six get in the tournament out of 10. It's arguably one of the toughest conferences in Division Three this season. It's always been, in my opinion, one of the top five. It's on another level now. And again, you're talking about a program like Randolph-Macon, who's a year and a half removed from a national championship. ODAC is fun to watch. We'll take another break. When we come back, we'll head out west, talk to George Fox men's basketball, another team making waves that we haven't talked to either. Speaking of waves, it's a shark who's coming on. Mako Hamilton, the head coach there. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3 Hoops. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media. I used to never really talk. Ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless.
Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. If I lose, I'll respond with respect. If I win, I'll back it up with humility. If I fail, I'll rise up with honor. It's tough for us to put it all on the line. Don't undo my hard work with poor sportsmanship. Respect, it's the name of the game. Coach of the Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue on on this first show back in the new year, just a reminder coming up, we'll recap some of the news we talked about at the top, top of the show, plus some other news and notes before we wrap things up. Our last guest of the day comes all the way out in the Northwest Conference, George Fox Men's Basketball. I haven't talked to them on this show, I believe, ever, but they are worthy of it. Nine and two on the season, coming off of an 85-82 win at Emory. They also have wins over Claremont, Mud, Scripps, uh, and Lewis and Clark in Puget Sound. They've got losses to Chapman and Pomona Pitzer. They're actually playing pretty darn good. And George Fox men could be the one everyone's chasing in the conference, but they've got a tough test ahead, including Pacific Lutheran, Pacific, Whitworth, and Whitman. But they're playing with house money. They are 9-2. and two. You know how many one games they won last year? Nine. They finished 8-8 eight and eight in the conference, though. This is a team that we should be watching. And so joining us to talk all about it was their head coach. He talked to us earlier today. Now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it's a head coach of the George Fox Bruins men's team. It's Mako Hamilton. Coach, welcome to the show. Congratulations on what is obviously a very good start to the season. You guys have got to be pretty thrilled with how it's all played out. Yeah, thanks, Dave, for having me. I appreciate it. Big fan of the show. Uh, yeah, very, very excited with the start um, of the season. Uh, you know, it's been a tough schedule. We typically play, and, and our guys have handled it really well. Um, so we're we're enthusiastic yet trying to remain 
humble as we head into obviously the difficulties of, of conference play. Your two losses coming in Skyac play, your big coming off uh, last time out against Emory. So it's kind of been an up and down, but I can understand the humbleness of it because the conference can certainly humble those who have off to a good start. In all, though, you had a, a long break between December 6th and the 29th when you got back underway and you actually got a big win over Maryville as well uh, in a tournament that was held down in Atlanta at Emory. Was there any concern with those nearly, geez, three weeks at least off that that was a, a bit of a beast to go into, especially when you're traveling cross country? Yeah, no doubt. That was, um, you know, something I was concerned with when we put the schedule together. We were fortunate to squeeze in a couple of exhibition games during that window. So we played Portland State out here and a big sky school. And then yeah. Western Washington was a really good Division II program. So both of those games – to some degree outside the practice windows gave us an opportunity to compete against high level competition, which in theory, I think really helped us with both the Maryville and Emory games, uh, just in terms of length, athleticism. So, um, so yes, I felt like we were able to stay somewhat sharp heading into the, that tournament. LA. That's a good way to use your two exhibition games for sure, to, to squeeze them in a spot where technically because of other distractions, you lose them. It's not the end of the world, but at the same time preps you for those big games. That's a way I haven't really heard it at least publicly stated on how sure. those have been used. And you get something out of it in return as well. Going yeah. back to the start of the season start, whether the loss to, to Chapman 91-78 got back on the bandwagon uh, in Oregon when you played Colorado College and uh, Portland Bible out of D3. You've played Letourneau and Claremont Mud Scripps, uh, Pomona Pitzer. you played a couple of conference games, played Portland Bible a second time, and then you had that Maryland or Maryville-Emory games. The only two losses are in Skyac play against – Arguably pretty good teams. I've seen Pomona Pitzer. They're large. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that prepped you a little bit for Emory. But w- what do we learn from the losses, if if that makes any sense? What did what did you all learn? What do we learn from the Chapman and Claremont? Uh, I mean, sorry, the Pomona Pitzer games that we can better understand wins like Claremont Mud Scripps and Maryville and Emory. Yeah, I think you know the Chapman game was our our opening game. Uh, you know, sometimes those first games just never know. And, and I think we just talked about our exhibition schedule here in the last couple of weeks, that was our first competition. You know, we didn't have a scrimmage. We didn't have an exhibition. So that was probably the negative to it. And you know, I thought we, we learned a little bit about who we, we were and things that we need to clean up. And I thought our guys did a really good job of adjusting outside of that window. The Pomona game, they're a talented team. Um, you know, they're, they've been nationally ranked. Uh, I think we had a big win at the time over a nationally ranked Claremont Mud Scripps program. And then I think for us, the next day, the emotional – uh, exhilaration that that win over Claremont took out of us didn't help us with Pomona. And so I think we learned that we have to be able to find some emotional stability in back-to-back games, which we face in conference. And so I think that really helped us in Atlanta. You know, we had the good win over Maryville and we were able to remain steady to go into the Emory game. So we learned, we learned something about ourselves in both those games, but both of those teams are really good as well. So it wasn't just all us, um, you know, those are good teams and, and that's a, a great part of playing a challenging schedule. Well, and now you've got nine wins. That's the amount of wins you guys had last year at the end of the season. You finished nine and 17, 88, eight and eight in conference play, we should point out. So certainly in the mix in the conference. But nine wins total last year, nine wins total already. We're not technically at the halfway point. I understand trying to be humble, but at some point, you also all have to probably realize you really have kind of turned a corner 
and playing really exceptional compared to what we see on paper. Yeah, definitely. And I do think we have a lot of guys back from a year ago. We were young last year. Uh, a lot of those losses we accrued were games that we just still were trying to figure out how to win. Uh, and so experience is a, is a, is a great asset to have. And, and I think now um, a lot of those guys back who were key players for us, um, you know, we are able to kind of take that next step. And, and so we are excited about it. Uh, I wouldn't say we're surprised. I do think there's an expectation here that we could be good. Uh, you know, I think we're doing things that maybe we're surprised by, but, but our guys, we have a very confident group and that's one of the strengths of them is they really believe in themselves and it's, it's cool to be around them. Um, and so I think last year, you know, the record uh, maybe wasn't as indicative of who we were. I mean, we did put together a really good running conference. And then I think this year, to the surprise of a lot of people, maybe we're not as uh, in-house. In it's not as big of a surprise. So I think the extremes of both years for us internally isn't as, you know, surprising as some would might think what's that built on what were what were the conversations or what was the known quantities inside the program that led you all to understand and appreciate that this year could be a rather successful season we have uh our best player back from injury um which is always a, a, an important factor we have guys who are experienced who played a lot who played when they were young kids um, that are now juniors and seniors. And so their belief in themselves goes up. We have good pieces. We have a talented team in terms of skill, uh, versatility. Um, and then I just think the way that we prepare, you know, we're, we, we always, one of our standards here is toughness and, and we want to be competitive in everything we do. We believe in competitive excellence. Uh, and so we don't allow uh, external factors. We don't allow results to determine who we are. You know, it's a process to get better every day, and our guys really value that. And I think that's a big part of why we believe, uh, you know, what we're capable of doing. You certainly have the experience, as you said. You've got four players who are seniors or graduate students. You've got a whole mess of juniors in total of seven. No sophomores, interestingly enough, and then a whole host of freshmen who are now learning from this upperclassmen group. Uh, in juniors and seniors, and, and I realize some of those classes is dependent on how someone wants to clarify them, whether it's eligibility yeah. or, or or academic status. But again, a lot of experience. How is that mold, though, going with the younger classmen? Because I'm assuming to some degree you need those younger classmen to step up as well. Yeah, and in my time here, Dave, we've had to play a lot of young guys, and I think that's probably also been maybe a hindrance for us. I mean, at the end of the day, the teams that are really good usually are playing experienced guys. Um, this is really the first year since I took over where we've been able to rely on older guys, and I think that's helped. Um, obviously, the young guys learning how to navigate just being a college athlete, um, the approach, the preparation, and then how we do things. Um, we do have a freshman that's playing really well for us and and is contributing at Aiden Price. He's been he's been really exceptional. Um, so we're we're not void of playing young guys right now but it's nice to be able to ease those guys in um and they can get really good experience um and it, it really is it's something that i believe that is a building block as we move forward you mentioned price he's leading the team in scoring at 14.6 points a game we should point out arguably five guys in double figures and he's leading the way that's 
there's a lot you can read into that. First, again, an un- underclassman who is certainly stepping up to the game. But second, you've got a lot of options. Uh, James, uh, so 14.5 for Aiden Price. James Moore at 11.5, 11.3 from Momo St- uh, Stokes. Nick Greenwood's at uh, 9.7. I said 5, I meant 4, uh, and I round up 9.7s to double figures. But still, Samuel Stewart uh, at 8.5 and, and 8 points from Austin Clark and 7 points from Charlie Powers. Those are the averages. That's a lot of people who are contributing offensively before you see a steep, you know, distance between a score. We, there's no uh, gaps of three, four, five points per game until you get below seven. So you guys seem to have a lot of weapons on offense. We do. Very versatile, uh, and which I really love. And, and the way we play and how we do things, we value, you know, three level scores and guys that can do different things. And, and <clears throat> excuse me, it's really helpful to have a group where um, – no matter what action we're running or how we want to attack a defense, we have different guys that can do it. It makes it hard to prepare for us as well. Um, and so these guys all kind of have their own little niche in terms of what they're excellent at, but they, they bring versatility and, and and ability to put the ball in the hoop, and that's been been huge. Averaging nearly 91 points a game, you're outscoring your opponents by 17.5 points a game, considering the two losses to Chapman and Pomona Pitzer. But wins, like three-point wins over Emory, tell you what you're doing to everybody else. It's a bit of a roller coaster. I get it. You you have a you look at the schedule. There's opponents like uh, Emory and the like that are really really tough, and then you got others who maybe you're able to take control of. Or is it more nuanced than that? Is it teams that, if we looked at it on paper, that shouldn't be the point spread, but you guys are doing something kind of more unique that's kind of getting those distances, as it were. Yeah, I think it's probably the former. Uh, you know, I think we we've had some some really high caliber competition that uh, you know the scoring margin has been closer. We've we've had some opponents uh, again, no disrespect, where the talent gap has been a little wider. And and and, and to our credit, we have um, showed up and and played those games like we should. And then I will say, there's been some games where I don't I didn't anticipate us having as large of a margin. Um, and, and we were able to play really well and, and kind of extend leads and, and, and the, the outcome of the game. So maybe a little, you know, sprinkling of all that you mentioned before. But, you know, I think our schedule has had some different balance to it, nuance to it. And, and we've, we've done a really good job of um, doing what we're supposed to do. You beat Lewis and Clark in Puget Sound in conference, uh, both by double figures, both conference uh, opponents that are, look like they're going to be middle of the pack. That could change, obviously. We're only two, three games into conference play, depending on which schedule you look at. You now pivot, and you play the rest of this conference schedule. You'll start off with Pacific Lutheran, and then Pacific, and then Whitworth and Whitman. So you've got a couple of interesting challenges ahead. You'll be on the road for Pac Lou, and then at home against Pacific, Whitworth, Whitman. And we should point out also Linfield. Feels like this is a really important stretch here. Only one game on the road. The rest at home, including traditionally the powers uh, you know debatable whether they are this year or not but still you've got some of the bigger teams coming to your place to get things started you've got a real chance here to continue the momentum and really kind of put your foot on the conference yeah absolutely you know we we understand in the conference play the stakes are higher uh you know the opponents know you better um, so our level of focus and intentionality and preparation you know has to go up a notch um, you know, we value, I mean, in conference, home games, road games, I mean, they're all tough to win. And, you know, obviously we have this stretch of playing games at home and, 
you know, the travel is minimal for us, which is great. Uh, but ultimately, every night we got to show up and we got to be the best version of ourselves. Um, you know, and I think for our guys, you know, last year in our conference schedule, we faced a lot of pressure moments to get ourselves into the conference tournament. I think that experience uh, is going to lend us well in terms of understanding the dynamics of how we need to approach each of these games. And, and then, you know, in conference, anything can happen. And so we were, were excited with the opportunity, but like I said, very, very humble in terms of the approach and knowing that we have to take each game as it is and be the best, best versions of ourselves. The disadvantages, six of the next nine are on the road, uh, including three of the last four against those that we just mentioned, the Wits and Linfield. And again, we're still trying to figure out where this conference comes into play. You alluded to it earlier, the trip down to Southern Cal to play two uh, Skyaxe, the trip out to Atlanta to play Maryville and, and Emory, are, are those, the, did you kind of see this and go, we need to prep for this long haul at the end and this is how we're going to do it? You know, we always try to schedule tough in the non-conference, Dave. I, I'm a big believer in, you know, again, if the, the mindset of the team is correct and it is in a good headspace, uh, when you play against good competition, it just helps you. You know, it helps you to see different styles, uh, you know, you see different characteristics in, in student-athletes. Um, and so it helps us. And so I think this year, you know, that definitely has come 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 true in terms of, you know, we've played different types of teams. And, and I know it's going to be a, a big help for us when we get in the conference play. So, yeah, that was strategic in doing that. Uh, you know, obviously we play back-to-backs in conference, so playing these games back-to-back on, on the road are definitely um, indicators of, you know, what we're going to see in conference play. And, you know, even the trip to Atlanta, I was telling our guys, again, not to forecast or think too far ahead, but if you're able to have a special season and get to March, this is what it's going to look like in March. You're going to travel somewhere. You're going to play two tournament caliber teams, back-to-back nights, and you have to be able to be prepared for it. So I think our non-conference schedules helped us in a lot of ways. Uh, now we just have to go out and, and be really excellent in conference and take advantage of those um, opportunities that we've gotten. And I'm assuming no matter – what you did for your out-of-conference schedule. Certainly, Maryville and Emory will come back to help you. Certainly, the Skyax will come back to help you. There's still an understanding. You just need to go out there and win this conference. That's right. That's that's the goal. Um, I say that to our guys. I'm sure every coach has that thing, that same thought process. You know, when conference play starts, the goal is to win it, and that's what we want to do. We, we would love to do that, do something that school has not done before, and uh, it's the goal, and, and, you know, we are hungry to do it. And uh, now we just have to understand that there's still a lot of games left, and the way that we show up every day is going to be important to meeting that goal. And you kind of you kind of took the pivot there where I was going to pivot. You mentioned never having done this before in terms of winning a conference. The women have certainly carried the Bruins' mantle for a number of years, though under a number of coaches, um, including national title appearances, et cetera, et cetera, getting a lot of attention. Admittedly, we haven't talked about the men's program all that much. You're now getting top 25 attention. Hopefully there's no jinx coming on the show. People like to talk about that. We don't, we, we don't pretend it exists. Um, but at the same time, just the fact that you're playing as well as you are, more conference foes are going to be like, all right, there's no pushover coming. We got to get ready for, for the Bruins it changes the tenure or tenor a little bit right now. hundred percent. You know, and we're, we are walking in uncharted territory. There, there's no question about it. There's no reason to dance around it. And, you know, that's the message I've been telling our guys this week. 
Again, what we've done in the past, it's great. They've created awesome experiences, but that does not carry you moving forward. And there's no point in looking too far ahead and dreaming. We have to live perfectly uh, where we're at right now. And, and, and so for us, you know, in our community, it's awesome. We, we're, again, we're doing things right now that haven't been done in this program, and that's great. Uh, but there's a lot of basketball left, and we want to make sure that, uh, you know, all those things that we've accomplished have meaning at the end of the year so we can look back in totality and say this was a phenomenal year and not just we had a good part of the season. So uh, that's going to be the big challenge for us is maintaining, uh, you know, just peace of mind where we're at and being focused in the moment. Well, certainly building off of what was a part of the season last year that was good, the back end of it, into this year, you've put a good, solid, quote-unquote, season together. I know there's more than that. We're parsing that a bit, but it shows where the program's going. I'm curious, though, you're, you're not necessarily a D3 guy. You have certainly found a home at George Fox and in the Northwest Conference. What is it about the institution, the conference, the division, et cetera, that A, piqued your interest, and B, has allowed you to seemingly settle in? It's just been awesome. I mean, I love coaching. I love the game. I love the mentorship of young people. Um, this level provides that, uh, and, it, and it provides it in a – you know, kind of a safe space. Obviously, you know, you have an internal pressure to win and compete. You know, that's that's why we do what we do. But but there's not all the external factors. I'm able to navigate pretty peacefully in what I do. Uh, school's been super supportive. Um, and, yeah, I just – I think, you know, for us and for me, um, this has reinvigorated my career. Uh, it's challenged me in ways that I did not anticipate, and it's helped me to, to grow as a young coach. Um, had I not had this experience, you know, I'd probably be stale and stuck in my ways. And so I've really, really loved my time here at Fox, uh, not only at the institution, but in my role and in, in coaching at this level. Um, and it's really just helped me to grow as a person. And, and I'm excited, hopefully, with where we're going with this program moving forward. Well, congratulations. Again, 9-2 and two start, getting uh, attention in the top 25, and, and obviously with big wins over Maryville and Emory, along with other wins earlier in the season, is a great way to hit this almost midpoint. Obviously, conference play will be tough, and we'll be looking forward to watching how you navigate that as well. As always, though, we give the coach the final word on this show. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who might be tuned in? Yeah, no, I just appreciate the opportunity to be on, Dave. I want to wish everyone, you know, I hope everyone had a safe holiday and a happy new year and uh, just continue to be the best version of yourself every single day. Well said, sir. Congratulations again. Look forward to catching up with you down the road. Look forward to seeing how this all plays out as well. And uh, thanks for your time. I appreciate it, Dave. Thank you. He's Mako Hamilton joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Again, the Shark being on the show. From George Fox, the Bruins on the men's side, doing pretty darn well. Congratulations. Big wins. Love to see how the Northwest Conference comes together. I think that's going to be a, a fun conference race to watch, uh, to say the least. I think, and, and I'll talk about some other conference races when we come back, but I think the Northwest Conference will be a lot of fun. We'll take another quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show, recap a couple of the notes we had at the top of the show, talk about my gophers, if you don't mind me taking the time, and some other notes. Before we wrap things up, you listen to Hoopsville. Back with more after this. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. 
and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Responsibility is being accountable for your words and actions, first and foremost. It also is an obligation to be a positive influence in the communities around you. Being in a D3 program, you're going to have lots of different opportunities. You're not just an athlete, you're also involved in student life. Your academics are extremely important. We give a lot of our student athletes responsibilities right from the start by giving them leadership opportunities, by having them engage in the community, being a positive influence. That's being a responsible person. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. Appreciate you taking the time. couple of news and notes. We'll wrap up some of the stuff that we talked about at the beginning of the show. But let me start off with my alma mater. If you do not mind, I got to see something I haven't seen in quite some time at the Gopher Dome yesterday. It was a conference doubleheader against Wilkes. Of course, Wilkes now in the Landmark Conference, along with Lycoming. And... Wilkes women came in with about a 500 record. Goucher's women had not won a game. Goucher's or Wilkes men came in with one loss. 10 and 1, I think, was their record. Goucher's men had come in with one conference win. A win over Scranton, interesting enough. We'll talk about Scranton here in a little bit. And got a conference doubleheader sweep at the Gopher Dome for the home team. Women held on. They were up by 16. It looked like they were going to lose it. And held on to win with a short bench, but a lot of heart. Really impressed. First win at Goucher for Rick, um, the head, new head coach at Goucher. Hats off to him on that. Uh, really impressive, to say the least. Wilkes has got a 6'3 uh, lady who isn't too bad. A bunch of other good players. But Goucher just, I mean, they, they got into a zone defense and just played impressive. Um, I wouldn't say they played well. 
but they definitely played impressive. And then the men got past Izzy Metz's team there with the Colonels. And for the first time since 2016, the Goucher men and women team had got a conference doubleheader sweep. I went and double-checked it in the commercial break or while we were airing some air commercials. I went back and looked. The last time they got a conference doubleheader win at home was February 20th, the last game of the regular season in 2016, when both teams beat Merchant Marine. The prior time they did that was a month and a half earlier, a month earlier. They did it on January 15th against Drew. Again, that's at home. I don't think it's been done on the road, maybe even longer, but I, I did. I wasn't looking at the road, so I could have missed one on the road. But hats off. Um, Justin Klingman's doing a great job with the men's program. It's sad to see uh, Tom Rose have to depart Ed Goucher, and it was sad to see uh, the one-year head coach that Goucher had on the women's side last year depart after that year. Um, but hats off to everybody uh, at Goucher. They're trying to improve things there, and, and I was really impressed. I'm not saying they're going to win the conference by any means of the stretch of the imagination, but they're certainly off to a good start. Uh, again, back to Scranton. Um, they are having some woes on, but well, the women's side lost uh, just the other night for the first time in quite some time. Um, on the men's side, Carl Danzig's squad is, uh, is in a little bit of a rough spot. Uh, their top the second leading score from last year is what I'm told banged up and injured. I've not talked to Carl Danzig or anybody with the program, just for the record, but banged up and injured. And uh, they basically, from what I'm gathering, have shut him down. He played most of last season um, without, uh, well, through injury, I should say. Uh, and so it's sad to say, but they, they have shut him down. And the best player on the team was basically let go of. Um, I'm, I'm told the best of marriages for the year and a half and scranton has decided to go on without them they have won their last two against kings and elizabethtown um obviously elizabethtown game coming in conference they'll play susquehanna coming up and that ended a nine game losing streak so they're three and nine now uh there at scranton but um tough tough one for that squad to say the least um just the record if you want to know who i'm talking about um E.J. Matthews, Spratley, and Will McLaughlin. Will McLaughlin was the one who I believe is the injured one. Matthews, Spratley, E.J. Matthews, Spratley is the one who I believe has been kicked off the team. I'm actually literally clicking on roster to see if, yeah, he's not even listed the last one we just mentioned. So tough tough going on, on the men's side in Scranton, but we certainly wish Carl Danzig and the rest um, good luck, though. Landmark Conference wide open this year on the men's side. Women's side. Going to be a dogfight, as it always is. Uh, Elizabethtown women beat Scranton in that conference game just yesterday, so we'll see how that all plays out. Just to point out, the Landmark will be playing at the Palestra coming up in uh, next weekend. Not this weekend, but next weekend. Um, should be some good times. Um, Susquehanna men will be there, so Frank Marcinic will be at the Palestra, which is awesome for me. Uh, just just a great idea. Uh, Goucher men will be there. I can't remember everybody else who's going to be there, um, but um, should be fun at the Palestra if you can... Show up at the Plastra to see some Division Three games there on Sunday, the 14th of January. Um, other news and notes. Let's take a look around the scoreboard. I, I forgot to tech, check scores from around Division Three today. We'll, we'll call those up uh, before getting back to some of the other news. Uh, Calvin and Albion are playing tonight. That game should be over. It is over. Calvin got the win 78-69. Trine and Kalamazoo. Well, Trine had an easy one over Kalamazoo 86-65. Other games that have finished that jump out at me. Grinnell got a win over Ripon 98-91. Roger Williams over Wentworth 82-81. 
Hope over Olivet, 72-67. That's all in men's basketball. Not a ton of games. There's some other ones that are underway now. We can, uh, if you want to go to d3hoops.com and check those out. Uh, Rhode Island College is, on the women's side, just a beast. They defeated Mass Dartmouth tonight, 69-31 for the third-ranked um, shore, uh, no, anchor women. Um, Mary Harden Baylor on the women's side got past University of Ozark, 72-61. Trying to see if there's any other scores on women's that just kind of jump out at me. Um, a lot of games. There's more games on the women's side than there are on the men, but nothing is. Uh, uh, East Texas Baptist over Saul Ross State in women's basketball, 80-71. to 71. Texas Dallas over Concordia, Texas, 64-43. So there's a look at those. So that's going on. Of course, you can always go to d3hoops.com for your latest scores. Um Hats off to Kerry Harvey Cutter. His birthday's today. If you don't know Kerry Harvey Cutter, you don't know NCAA championships. He's been synonymous with not only Salem's hostings and the Roanoke Valley hosting, but how NCAA championships are in Division Three and beyond. Hats off to him. Happy birthday, Kerry. Good friend of the program. We appreciate his support all the time. He deserves a shout-out. So happy birthday, Kerry Harvey Cutter. Let's recap some of the news that has been making headlines today. First and foremost, we mentioned Penn State Brandywine will be joining the United East Conference in an exploratory year this year with the Division Three. Should they pass the exploratory year, they will start the provisional year next year. Um, it'll be year one of three, I believe. But things have been a little weird with exploratory years. But anyway, should be one of one of three. They'll be joining the UEC in their 18th year. Some teams have already started to play them. So hats off to them. Uh, on joining Division Three, Remember, Regents also applied to join Division Three. Uh, we'll see if there's any others. Usually there's a max of four allowed into Division Three at any one time. You might remember a few years ago we had five, and Maine Fort Kent was not allowed to join Division Three at the time because they were the fifth one to apply, and thus none of the other four were rejected. Um, speaking of which, I do wonder if Maine Fort Kent may reconsider and, and join the division. Uh, there are more movements afoot in Division Three. This is a time of year that gets a little bit busy ahead of the convention when meetings take place. There is one coming that is pretty significant. Um, I thought we might be able to broadcast it by the end of this show. We have not. We've been working on it for a few weeks, to be honest with you. We've got some good sources. But we still want to double-check a couple of items, and it doesn't seem like we've got it as of yet. But stay with us on social media, especially to, uh, Twitter slash X, at D3 Hoopsville, we may get that out either later tonight or at another time. But um, that there is a big move coming. The other big move, of course, was the NCAA and ESPN agreeing to a rights deal that is, is basically about women's basketball, much like CBS Turner is about men's basketball. But there's other championships. There will be 40 championships in the NCAA throughout all three divisions. They'll be broadcast now on ESPN moving forward in twenty, starting next year in 24-25, including... Uh, football will remain at ESPN. <clears throat> excuse me um, for the semifinals and championship for football. Women's volleyball is moving to ESPN for the semifinals and championship. Though I do have to check into that because uh, women's volleyball does have the elite eight. But from what I'm told, semifinals and championship will be on ESPN. Uh, and then women's and men's basketball, both semifinals and championships, will be moving to ESPN and we should be particular except for the stag bowl right now we're being told that's ESPN plus on the digital side though you've obviously got a lot of ability to move there but the archives will remain there as well something you never got to see with CBS sports with men's and women's basketball also comes now being reported um 
through several media sources, it's a $115 million deal. That is obviously significantly less than the men's deal. But if you were to extrapolate out, if that 115 is accurate, women's uh, NCAA Division Three will get about 3.6 million of that. We get 3.19%. I said 1.4 earlier. I meant 3.19% of the operating budget for the NCAA goes to Division Three. This year, uh, this academic year, that equates to $37,466,533. Let me say that one again because I stumbled through it. $37,466,533 is the allocated budget for Division Three. Last year, it was $35,300. The previous year, it was $35,100. So, in theory, if that $115 million is accurate and we're getting a little over $3.6 million added to the operating budget, on top of what should already be an increase for next year anyway, if you take 37, 37.46 and add 3.66 to it, you're going to get $41 million plus more. So we may have an operating budget next year of about 42 or $43 million off the top of my head. That's an increase of 5 to $6 million for Division Three over this year's operating budget. To give you a comparison, $3.6 million boost just from the ESPN budget. Baseball's budget last year, or maybe it's this year, was $3 million. Basketball combined between Division Three and Division One is more than $3.4 million. For football, it's more than $2.5 million. So that 3.6 just in itself is a significant boost to Division Three as a whole, where 80% of that money goes to the championships as of now. Add in whatever is the other raise to go from 37.4 plus possibly to 42 million or more next year. And I and that is me speculating on those numbers. Those are not numbers from anyone official. That's a huge boost for Division 3 and it'd be interesting to see how Division can use it in terms of championships, travel, but more importantly other things that the Division finds priorities as well. We'll look forward to talking to Luis McCleary. We hope at a later date in January, we usually do our state of Division Three about that and talking to others throughout Division Three about how they hope to use that money. This was money many expected to see come in terms of a media rights deal. How it plays out will be determined. But you know, it wasn't that long ago the, the operating budget for Division Three was about $25 million. Now we're talking $42 plus million. It's not cheaper by any stretch of the imagination to do championships and the like. Division three championships total out around $32.6 million. That's what's budgeted for this year alone. It's not cheap, but it's nice to see we might get a significant boost. So you take $42, $43 million, you make that 80%. That's going to be about a, almost $40 million for Division three championships. And to say the least, that is uh, impressive. And, and tip of the hat, to say the least. Saying that a lot. I apologize. I got a bit of a cold today. And my brain's not processing everything I'm saying tonight, which is unfortunate. So there you go. Bit of news and notes. We don't have the breaking news we were hoping. Um, we'll probably get it out sometime soon. We'll do our best to get it out as soon as we can. Again, been working on this for a few weeks. We just want to make sure all of our items are in the right place. Uh, all right. Quick note before we sign off on programming. So we'll be, we're now back into our Monday, Thursday segments. 
Moving forward, we're going to try and break into the regional coverage that we normally do, at least getting coaches from particular regions. When it was eight regions with two shows, this was a very easy process. Now that there's 10 regions, five regions a show is a lot tougher than it seemed. We can't get five guests on, plus try and do top 25 panels and the like. But I can't remember the exact breakdown, but for the most part, region one, two combined will do um, on Mondays, um, for example, uh, region 10 will be another day. So we'll tweet this out. Then we start rotating. If we've had a men's coach from that region, we'll have a women's coach next show. If we've had a guest from, let's say, the Old Dominion Athletic Conference from that region area, uh, we'll go from another conference and another gender the next week. So we'll start rotating, get a lot of guests on the show. We're looking forward to that. Um, I already have a guest lined up for Monday, which I forgot about my usual plan, so i got to make sure it fits. <laughs> my mistake. But we'll figure that out. Uh, still also got top 25 panels. We'll get them back on here to talk about those groupings. Um, we've got some specialty shows. We may even do some one-off shows as well coming down the road. We're also going to be moving some shows to earlier time slots due to work. For example, next Thursday, a week from today, the, the, uh, 11th of, right? Yeah. The 11th of January, we will be doing a 1 PM Eastern show live, um, because we have to work later that evening at another gig. That's going to happen a few times on Thursdays coming up. As far as the marathon, been asked about that, believe it or not. We originally scheduled to have the marathon on a particular day. Now we have to work on that particular day. So we're either looking at finding a free Thursday where we can slot it in or moving that to a different day, whether it be a Monday, which I'm not totally keen on, or moving it to a separate day altogether and maybe just abandoning that Thursday show that week. So tossing some ideas around we'll make a decision here in the next week or so on that also top 16 show is returning to hoopsville that is scheduled for uh sorry just totally blanked uh which it's in february february 15th that show will air uh again we reveal through the committees and the ncaa where if things were to be held at that point in time who the top 16 teams in Division Three, based on NCAA criteria would be, i.e. who would be hosting the opening weekends and in great position to host the second weekends. That will again be released here on Hoopsville on February 15th. Looking forward to that. Uh, after that, we, of course, will have our big um, selection um, show or we, where we do our mock selections on February 25th. Then 26th is when selections are actually made this year. Um, and we'll have our reactionary show to that as well. So many have asked us also about fundraising, advertising, sponsorships, etc. If you are interested, we got a little taste of it at the D3Hoops.com Classic. If you tuned in, a number of schools jumped on and helped us through advertising. If you're interested in advertising on the show, whether you're a school, a conference, or another entity, please contact us. We're more than willing um, to talk to you about uh, advertising and sponsorship packages also, if there are those out there who would just like to donate, they have expressed that to us. We are setting up a couple of new avenues for that and looking forward to it. Actually, got a donation through an old avenue that I thought I had shut down, but I apparently hadn't um, just recently. So uh, we'll be looking into that as well. But if you got questions, you can always email us, hoopsal at d3sports.com. You can contact us via social media and all the other ways that you can do so. You might be noticing my voice is dropping. Uh, Drew says, my math is way off. It's not $115 million more. 
current contract for these is forty million, so only seventy five million more to take three point nine million of seventy five million. True, you may be right. Again, I was going on based reports. I am not going on anything I've gotten concrete wise on that NCAA contract. D three has not told us specifically where how much money they're getting. I said that at the beginning of the show. We don't know the number. I was basing that on if the reports are at one fifteen, then we would be getting that money. So again, I, nothing I'm saying is ac- is is factual. It's simply um, extrapolating out from the numbers we're hearing. We don't know the actual numbers. So is my math way off? Yeah, possibly. But I am not. I am not. No one's given me the actual hard math. I'm just saying, if it's 115 and it's 3.9 percent, then that would be about 42 million dollars for Division Three, not counting whatever might be, whichever's coming anyway. Because remember, Drew, another part of this is there's more money coming from the contract on the men's side. We're already going to get a boost of a maybe a couple of million dollars. So I'm extrapolating information. So yeah, my math's probably off. Don't take my word as solid because i couldn't even get the word from division three who hasn't been told what that solid math is going to be if it's 75 million dollars and take 3.19 percent of that that's the increase we'll get add that to the budget that we got this year plus add a little bit more that we'll get for a general boost uh as the contract is designed and you'll get it so maybe we'll get 40 million dollars instead of 42 my point is we're getting a significant boost next year um and that that's big for division three um so we'll see how it all how it all shakes out from there and we'll and we'll cross that bridge as we see it and when we need to um so there you go double checking we haven't gotten anything else uh nice to know that people are tuned in live (laughs) that's for sure that's going to do it for us uh we'll be back on the air monday seven o'clock eastern time uh we'll start working on guests literally tomorrow um looking forward to that to say the least and uh looking forward to having you all back here as well i want to thank misha jackson at emory i want to thank uh rodney at hopkins rodney i love you but with two r's in your name i am never going to get the two names combined at the same time rodney rogan ace i'll get that right rodney rogan at johns hopkins of course uh nick doyle at shenandoah and mako hamilton at George Fox. I want to thank all their sports information departments as well for their assistance, sending us images to help with promotion, sending us information and getting in touch with the coaches if at all necessary. And with that, we are a wrap. You've been listening to Hoops Hoop presented by D3Hoops.com. From our studios, I want to thank the family as always for their support. And we'll see you back here Monday, 7 o'clock Eastern for the live show. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have a great rest of your day. Enjoy a great weekend of basketball. I'm sure we're going to have some good ones. And tune into D3 or log into D3hoops.com for more. Quick note, I forgot to mention D3 boards. Yes, they are down. They are going through maintenance mode. We are, we, Pat, is working on them to get them back up and running. Please be patient. We will try and get them fixed as soon as possible and back and running in this world. Take care, everybody.